Hello, and welcome to the Pretty Pixels podcast. I am one of your hosts, Joey Crunwell, here today with Tab, Satan Farts, London. How's it going? <laughs> wow, okay, okay. It's really... It's been a while. I wasn't sure how the intro would go, but thank you. <laughs> I, you know, I try to come up with something like timely, but a lot of times it's like inside joke type of stuff, and today yeah. it's so hot out. Like, it went from... Yes you know end of winter to summer here like day like just over the fucking course of a night Mm -hmm. and it's like 91 it feels like 99 and you left me a message and said something like it's really hot but it doesn't feel like a like a satan's fart (laughs) no 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 no. i was saying it's really hot and it's breezy but when it gets windy here it doesn't feel like a refreshing breeze it's like satan farting because it's just warm air in your face yeah Yeah, that (laughs) (laughs) it's that like Midwest humidity, you know what I mean? Where it's like, yeah, there's like in Alabama, it was like that where, and that's why in Alabama in the summer, it legitimately felt like you were in an oven because just as you said, there was no such thing as a breeze. Like if the wind Mm -hmm. blew, it felt like you were getting hit with a wave of hot moisture, you know, like you could feel the humidity. Uh, and that's kind of what it feels like today, but you just got some new fencing in, so you're going to get a new fence up in your yard. That's exciting. Yep, yep. The stuff so. finally arrived. This has been a seven-month-long journey, but the stuff is, the supplies are in the backyard. Oh, uh, yeah. So the fence has to happen now. <laughs> <laughs> well, you say that, but. I know, I know. It could be one of those, like, TikTok videos where it's like, this lumber's been sick in my, my yard for three months, and I called the place, and they said they don't exist anymore. Oh, God. <laughs> Well, it is through Lowe's, so I think oh, we're yeah. somewhat so, yeah. safe, but local contractor. So true. Um, but yeah, the listener, you might be surprised. You're like, oh wait, where's everyone else? I thought we were talking about uh, what were we supposed to talk about this week? Uh, oh, f- feelings, unique feelings in video games. There's been a change of plans. Paul is out of town, so he's not able mm-hmm. to join us this week. So we're going to push back that unique feelings episode a couple of weeks because this week we're going to do. A Far Cry retrospective. This is something that Tabs wanted to do. You meant you brought this up probably like mm-hmm. last year, like a long yeah. time ago. And we were like, well, maybe we'll wait for like a new Far Cry release, but we don't know when it's going to be. So we're going to do that today. Next week, we're going to stay on track with uh, doing the summer playlist episode. So I think that's going to be all of us. I think all four of us are going to be on for that one, right? Hopefully, mm-hmm. if everything works out. Paul's, again, still out of town. So if we can make it work, uh, we're going to do the summer playlist episode next week where we're going to be talking about games that we're excited about playing. And then additionally, kind of at the end, we're going to tack on movies, books, TV shows, whatever else we're excited for. So that'll be a big extravaganza. So tune in for that. But yeah. did you have you played any of the Arkham games? I don't remember. Did you like dabble mm, with them at all? No. Well, there might have been one that I tried playing, but I really didn't get into was the first I can't one? remember which one it was. <laughs> yes, it's, yeah. Honestly, I don't know. It's been so long. Yeah, I think, I part of me thinks that you would really like them, but you're not, like, the biggest Batman or, like, the biggest superhero fan, so, like, a lot of... I love of, the Batman movies. Yeah. But, but that's kind of as far as my love extends. <laughs> yeah, and the, the games, the Arkham games, are so referential to the comics and the mm. animated series that, like, for someone like me who's been immersed in all that stuff, it's like, what a fucking treasure trove. But sure. So your your interest level in Gotham Knights, the new Arkham game, is minimal, yeah. probably. Yeah. yeah. They showed a new trailer with a ton of gameplay. I want to say it was like 10 minutes of gameplay. And 
I didn't nice. watch all of it. I watched like a few minutes because I don't want it to be spoiled. I'm like, I'm that kind of person where I'm like, Ugh. once I know I want to get something, I tend to avoid. Because when I was younger, I did the opposite. I was like, I want every little morsel, every rumor, every, and then I just absorbed it. Right. And, but then you realize, and you've talked about this too, you did the same thing where it's like, you realize then it's impossible for that thing to live up to your expectations because you build all your own hype. Mm-hmm. And so then it would come out and I would be like, oh man, but it's not as good as the, the this or the that or I thought it was or they said in the interview. So now I try to avoid when I'm like, I want to know. So I watched like a couple of minutes and it looks beautiful. They also announced that they're canceling the PS4 and Xbox One versions of them. So I'm kind of hoping oh. that that means that there aren't going to be any delays and the game is going to run smoothly on the next gen console. So I'm super excited for that, but the also recently the um, this is something that that we can talk about a little bit. The Lego Horizon Forbidden West tie-in was there only one the one the tall neck? I think it's just the tall neck. Yeah. Okay, so they released that, and you mm-hmm. immediately right like went so I knew that I wanted it, and I'm like I'm a Lego member, <laughs> <laughs> and they didn't let me. There were no pre-orders. And I was like, why the fuck am I a member? (laughs) But um, I think it was May 1st and I went to Lego immediately sold out. And I was like, Uh. panicked, the panic sweat. And I I quickly turned to the Google machine and it was available on Amazon. So I, I got it. I put it together. It was my end of semester gift to myself. It's sitting right next to me. It is beautiful. One of the things that I said to you when I sent you pictures of it was, even if you don't know the game, it's a striking Lego set. Like the tall neck is the perfect just like creature uh, to kind of feature. Um, it's so graceful and just beautiful. It, yeah. It, when you, you mentioned putting it in your office and I just thought mm-hmm. the idea of like students coming in and seeing that because like you're going to yeah. have your gamer students that you've mentioned before that'll see something mm-hmm. like you have a Far Cry poster, you know, appropriate enough for the episode. On your yep. wall, they'll see that and they'll be like, oh, Far Cry, love, you know, what's your favorite game and stuff. So I feel like it'll be that instant recognition for video game fans. But even for not, it looks just like mm-hmm. such a beautiful, like, neo sci-fi creature, you know? Yeah. And there's so many, like, little intricate parts. And it's Lego, too. Lego just looks, when it's a big Lego yeah. set like that, it looks awesome. Mm-hmm. How tall yeah. is it? Um, more than a foot. That's what she said. No, what? Um, <laughs> God damn it. How was putting it together? Like, was that, was it? I did it in a couple of sessions as uh, Tears and I were hanging out with Taylor. Um, and we were just having like a chill evening watching Studio Ghibli movies. And so I was like slowly putting it together. Um, is that what you meant? Or? Yeah. Like, just was it complicated? You know? No, I wouldn't say that it was particularly complicated um it it it, so at one point you so you put the base together and then you set the base aside and then you actually build the tall neck and the tall neck kind of can stand on its own but it's it's a bit fragile Mm. (laughs) so i was i was very grateful for the stage of actually putting it on the base so it's a little more settled it's a little more like firmly in place um but no it certainly wasn't the most like fragile uh lego set i put together i remember years ago helping my brother put together um the the boba fett set with like the ship oh my god that caused such rage in really because 
there was this one part and it kept like snapping something else and like he was so angry. Yeah. Sometimes Lego can be that way. <laughs> <laughs> Which honestly, I have that typewriter set oh, and I yeah. haven't put it together and that thing's huge. I might have some feelings about that. I don't know. We'll we'll see once I get it. <laughs> Cuz it's remind me, isn't it a working typewriter? Like can't you like click um, the keys? Um you can actually click the keys, yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. So there's moving parts. So yeah, I can yes. imagine that would be Yeah. Because I I feel like even real typewriters, which were made of like steel or whatever they were made out of, like weirdly, there was so many. I remember we had one when I was a really little kid and the buttons, the the, the buttons, (laughs) the keys (laughs) would get like stuck and everything. And Mm -hmm. the arms were so easy to bend if you weren't careful. So yeah, yeah, Yeah. that that would be, that's going to be It's currently in Michigan, but I think I am going to get it this summer. So it is one of the things that I want to add to my office because again, it's going to be so striking. So do you have, so you have like a, a visit plan for the summer to go back to Michigan? Are you going to go to the beach? Yeah, I would love to go back to like the Ludington, Manistee area, go to the beach, um, go to the state park, the the place that we were at. I absolutely love it up there. Um, we haven't set like a date yet for our trip. Um, we actually have more people coming to us from Michigan this summer than we're probably going to oh, go wow. there. Um, yeah, my, uh, one of our friends is coming at the end of the month and then, um, my friend Chris is coming mid to late June, I think. So, yeah. Yeah. That I, every time you mentioned going back to Michigan, now I'm thinking of that beach, especially because like, I have to admit I was, I was doubtful. I was, I was verbally a little bit doubtful because I grew up in Chicago and like going to Lake Michigan was like a thing, you know, Lake Michigan, the beach at Lake Michigan is like so crowded, you know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. it's impossible to go at a time that's not crowded. So if someone's like, let's go to the beach right now, it's not crowded. It means that it's still crowded. It's just not like elbow to elbow kind of crowded. And so you were like, no, 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 no. There's like a stretch of beach and you just park along the highway and there's lots of room and there's like, you know, multiple feet between you and the next person. And I was like, this sounds too good to be true. You were like, the water is (laughs) beautiful and shallow and yeah. it's fucking true. Like we pulled up and there were a lot of cars. And so I was like, see, mm-hmm. I knew it. I've heard all the cars. But once you get down to the beach, yeah, there's like we had a good there was one family that for some reason felt the need to. Yeah, be right, right in front next of us. to us. Yeah. But they eventually moved. But for the most part, there's like a good 10, 15 feet between people's blankets. Mm-hmm. And the water was like clear, like fucking not crystal clear, but you could open your eyes underwater and see and it was shallow you could go out a good i don't know 50 feet or something and be in like mm-hmm. shouldered oh man it's beautiful so people don't believe me when i tell them how beautiful michigan can be yeah. i think they just stereotype it as detroit or like redneck like those are the two yeah. <laughs> the two ends of the spectrum um but michigan is an absolutely beautiful state i mean if you want beaches you want like woods i i I fucking love it (laughs) well that's what i always think of when you say michigan and you're like michigan's beautiful i think of the beautiful forests that i've seen Mm -hmm. you know and been and stayed in and stuff like yeah absolutely beautiful forests. i would not have thought beach but man yeah not not to not that so our reach is so broad with this podcast now everyone's gonna be flocking (laughs) to the the Wellington area but (laughs) but yeah what a beautiful uh stretch of beach so i'm Mm -hmm. i'm definitely jealous what have you been playing we haven't heard from you in a while you were playing elden ring i think last time i was playing a fair bit of elden ring um i have almost 80 hours into the game damn um so 
I don't even know where to start. Like, (laughs) I have a love, not so love relationship with Elden Ring. (laughs) I won't say that I hate it. Um, No, I, okay, it's, it's very perplexing to me because I love the world. I love the, like, different environments. Um... I like exploring like the caves and the mines and stuff. Uh, I love the music. I think some of the environmental storytelling is really spot on. What I don't like is when the game is like not fair. <laughs> and I think at some point we're going to do like a, a Elden Ring um, episode, right? So we can get more into that. But there are certain things where like maybe the combat feels a little loose or a little sloppy uh, or like if a, a boss is able to like swing through the column in the middle of the room and hit you like that kind of stuff feels like the game is punishing you just to punish you. And I don't necessarily think that that is good game design. Um, so those kinds of things can sometimes be frustrating, but I keep coming back to the game. And like the other night you were like, I wish someone would help me with this boss. And I was like, is that someone named Tim? <laughs> um, and I hopped in and I helped you and then you helped me. And that was fun. Like I, I really enjoyed that. Yeah. Um, so I am liking Elden Ring. Do I think it's game of the year? Not for me. I will have to see how I feel in the end, um, but I keep, I'm probably going to tweet this at some point because it keeps popping into my brain. Mm-hmm. I'll do something in the game and I'll think, okay, I, I get it. Like I, I get what the hype is about. I get why people love mm-hmm. it. Um, as you said, it's probably not going to be my game of the year. And I'm a little suspicious, I guess, of the way that some people have been talking about the game because some of the people really have a hard time when you criticize the game design of a game like mm-hmm. this. And people have called this game perfect. And I'm like, I see perfect. a number of mm-hmm. yeah game, game, game design issues with it. Uh, even just start starting with the start menu. It's something so tiny, but like when you start, this menu comes up to, to you know, explain the online or whatever. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it tells you to press X or circle to continue. And I'm like, Wait, so I experimented, and yes, it's true. Hitting triangle or square does not get that message off the screen. You have to hit X or circle. Mm-hmm. Why? I've never seen a game use two buttons like that. Like, hit A or B to continue. Just make it A. Like, mm-hmm. the game design, you know, in game design, you want it to be simple and straightforward and direct. Yeah. And so what you would probably do is say, press X to continue, and then also make it so that if you hit any other button, just so if someone was like quickly hitting something, it would also continue. There's no detriment to allowing someone to press triangle or square or circle. So just make it any button, but just say X to give someone something to think about, you know, or just mm-hmm. say press any button to continue. Like it's, it's very, just little things like that. That's a really tiny little minor one, but, but no, I do like it. And like, exactly like you said, where number one, I am not playing the game according to the from soft purists perspective. I'm not going <laughs> through and just letting myself be murdered again and again. I am grinding and I'm going for like good armor and stuff like that early on. And it has helped if I would not have, if I wouldn't have farmed and, you know, done, you know, as you, you gave me some tips for that, if I wouldn't mm-hmm. have done that, I would have probably quit. Cause there are some bosses that like you said, sound or seem sort of cheap. Um, but man, cheesing it and like farming has made it so much more intriguing. I still get my ass kicked by the way. I'm like level 120 mm-hmm. or something like that. And I still, 
occasionally will get my ass handed to me a few times over. But um, but it is I think the word I keep coming back to is compelling because I'm, mm-hmm. I want to play again. I can't wait to play again. I don't even really know what I'm going to do, but like, and that's why like, I get it. Like I get why people love this game. Like it's, mm-hmm. it keeps drawing me back in, even though there's not like a particular storyline. That's not like I'm so immersed in the world that I need to get back in there and get that ring or anything like that. It's just, I want to get back in and, you know, just, find new bosses find new caves and i feel like now i can finally because i've farmed i can actually go into a cave (laughs) and not immediately turn back around because i get killed five times you know Mm -hmm. but um but yeah no i i've been having a lot of fun playing that as well i think that's all i've been playing it's it's it was grading week final final regular week of the semester so had a lot going on. We're both uh, free now. <laughs> we're free. And that's why I wanted to do the summer playlist next week. I'm so excited mm-hmm. to like get started with summer and to talk about what we're what we're up to. So um so that's it for you as well. It's all you've been playing. Um I have been playing a bit of Planet Zoo. Every now and then that's one of those games that just like pops into my head and I want to go back to it. So I started a new zoo. Um, I'm making it a like big cat zoo. So I've been having fun, like designing that and getting different animals and stuff. Um, and then I've also been playing Far Cry three, but I'm not going to say much about that because that folds over into the, uh, the main course. So is planet zoo like a comfort game for you? Like you come back to it when you're feeling like you don't know what to, what else to play? Well, I wouldn't necessarily say that it's coming from a place of like, what else do I play? I just find it a nice soothing kind of thing to get into. Um, And sometimes I feel like absorbing multiple media so I can like play the game on one monitor, watch some like true crime YouTube videos on the other. (laughs) (laughs) Do you find that like when you first started up, if you haven't played it in months, there's like Mm -hmm. immediately like a, Oh shit! How the fuck do I play this? Oh but yeah! As soon as you the do, first like day, I right. was like, oh shit! <laughs> but then, for me, at least in my experience with Jurassic World Evolution, it like once you stumble a little bit, it's like, mm-hmm. oh, how the fuck did I forget this? And it just becomes like second nature again. Oh, yeah. and you're a pro. But that's why, in part, I started the new zoo because I was like, okay. Instead of my like mega zoo where everything is fine tuned, I'm going to fuck it up because I'll be stumbling. Let me go into a new space, figure it out, and then I can return. That's awesome. Yeah, I that's one of those games where it's like you you've mentioned it and recommended it. And I don't is it on consoles now? It is on Xbox. Oh, fuck Xbox. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I'm, <laughs> don't like it. I, you know what? I had the, the hanking, hanking. Is that how you say it? The hanking. I'm going to say the inkling. I'm like, that's not where the hankering. That's what it is. Hankering. What I had the hankering to play was flight sim. I think I played that a lot oh, last year and I'm, I had a weird yeah. urge. I'm like, oh, what if I just jumped in and just took a couple of flights? Like, and that is the perfect game for yeah. it. I mean, I would play it just to be like, I want to chill. Let me go. Yeah. <laughs> Fly by, you know, Storm Lake or whatever. So, which, but that that was a little disappointing because Storm Lake doesn't look great in that game. (laughs) It looks okay. Almost anywhere that I went that I like used to live, if you're really familiar with an area, you look at it and you're like, yeah, that's yeah, not quite. (laughs) Um, But I guess let's dive into Far Cry then. So I know you have a lot prepared, and I'm going to let you take 
most of the rain. <laughs> but let's start with just like our own histories with the series. Yours is much deeper than mine, so I'll just start with mine and just say that okay. mine is not very deep. I remember the first Far Cry because at the time, what, when did the first Far Cry come out? Like 2000. Okay, I was going to say yeah, five, but that's, yeah, 2004, 2005. Like, I remember, because I probably heard about it in 2005, but like, I didn't have a PC that could run games at that point. And for the most part, I was okay with that. And then Far Cry came out and I played it on my friend's computer. Ah. And this is the weird thing is like the water looked so fucking beautiful that I, I was like, I need a computer that can run this game. It's That's so hilarious. I didn't really care about the gameplay. Like it felt like it was a shooter. You know what I mean? I'm like, OK, yeah, cool. yeah, yeah. But the game looked that I mean, everything else looked good, too. But the water effects in particular. And I think that's why. And we've talked about this before. Like water effects are a big deal for me. Like when I see a game, it's like, oh, wow, this game looks really good. And then it has ugly looking water. I'm like, what are you doing? Come on. (laughs) Far Cry was doing it better back in the day. Yeah. Right. right. (laughs) Um, And then I did eventually get a laptop that could run it, but not at like high end. But I was still like, oh, I'm happy to have it. And I played it a little bit and that was it. like, I think I just wanted. it was like this weird, I, I just had to have it. It was like, because I think as you're going to talk about, it, it was like a, almost like an industry standard for graphics at the time. And so mm-hmm. I just wanted something that could run it and I was excited to have it. And I didn't touch two or three. Um, and we'll go into more detail about the other stuff later. I didn't pick it up again yeah. until four. And that was partly at your recommendation. You were getting really hyped about it. Mm-hmm. This was when we first started like hanging out and being gamer yeah. friends. And uh, so it was like, yeah, like that sounds good. So I picked it up and I've loved every entry to some degree or another since. So, mm-hmm. but what about you? Yours, yours goes back a great many years. Is that correct? <laughs> well, <clears throat> again, since I got into gaming a little bit later. Um, so, uh, my first Far Cry game was Far Cry three and I was very, very excited because I was saving up. I was in college and I was saving up for my very first gaming desktop and I, Far Cry three came out and I was watching, I think it was the rad Brad on YouTube play this game called Far Cry three. And I was like, holy shit. So you were already watching like streamers back then or like it was YouTube. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, that, that was in part what like, I think sustained my like interest in love for gaming when I didn't have access to the actual games. Yeah. Hmm. Um, but anyways, uh, I was just so intrigued. Like it was a first person shooter, a tropical setting. I was like, this looks so fucking fun. So when I finally got my desktop, the very first game that I installed was Far Cry 3. So that was my first Far Cry. Um, And that's why I have so much. um, It's kind of funny to say like that you have nostalgia for something that came out in 2012. But because that doesn't seem like old, old, you know what I mean? Um, but I do, I have students. like these, that, well, yeah, it does start. <laughs> they were like literal uh, children. It's so weird to think yeah, about that stuff. Yeah, you know? that is, okay, moving on. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I played Far Cry 3, and then I was like, I really enjoyed it at the time. Um, and I was like, well, shit, I want to, I want to play the earlier games. And I can't remember if I went straight to the first Far Cry and maybe bounced off of it, but I played through Far Cry 2, like the whole thing. Um, and we'll, we'll 
talk about that in a little bit. And then since then, I've kept up with every every Far Cry. Um, yeah, that's that's my history. Uh, so that- it's a franchise that I really enjoy, and I do love certain elements of it. But I fully acknowledge that like the games are not perfect, and in fact, there is some like even problematic stuff that we're gonna we're gonna talk about a little bit. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, that that desktop computer that you you bought was mm-hmm. that your first computer, like your first gaming computer? My first dedicated gaming computer. Yeah. Before then, I had um, laptops, and that's like that's how I played Oblivion for the first time on my laptop that oh, I had for college. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah. What? So you played with a mouse though with Oblivion on your laptop, right? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I've heard some people will be like, oh, yeah, a laptop was my first time playing. And they're like, oh, when I finally got a controller or a mouse, I was like, what? How do you play those games with a touchpad? <laughs> yeah, and right. People will oh, do it. shit. It's amazing. <laughs> um, but okay, so let's let's jump into it. I know you have a lot yeah, yeah. of like you have a timeline and everything so i spent a lot of time putting this together in part because i just wanted to have like all of my information straight i'm very much a planner and i may make other content e things about far cry so i I wanted to be pretty thorough um but i do want to start with a disclaimer okay um this is not a comprehensive history of far cry right? My goal here is to provide an overview of the franchise mixed in with my experiences, your experiences, observations, um, general thoughts, right? Uh, There will be some spoilers in this discussion, but there will also be moments where I'm going to hold back for various reasons. Like I only want to go so far into spoiler territory, you know? Um, If you intend to play the Far Cry games, dear listeners, uh, you'll probably want to skip this episode, come back to it, you know, at a later point. Um, for those of you that are very familiar with the franchise, if you disagree with my interpretation of the games, that's totally cool. Um, I have played all of the mainline games and have either uh, played or watched playthroughs of all of the like spin-off and like side content. Now, I am definitely a fan of the franchise. I will be critical at certain points, like I alluded to um, just a minute ago. Uh, I'm a gamer, yes. I'm also an academic. I'm of the mind that fans of media should be willing to engage in critical discussion of games, of the things that we love, right? Oh yeah. Um, maybe that's just me, but that's how I'm gonna. <laughs> that's how I'm gonna take this. Okay. <laughs> I think I think you speak for the whole Pixel Screw with that. Yeah, that's one of our. I mean, because that's one of the things that we've we've complained about, or I've complained about. I don't want to pour words in mm-hmm. my mouth, but like with video game <laughs> studies, there are a lot of people who are not in those fan communities who are scholars yes. first and gamers second, and mm-hmm. so they prioritize other things. Uh, and I mm-hmm. think that shows in their writing. And like when we had the pleasure of driving James Paul G to the airport, and we were talking to him, he said he plays four hours a day. I think mm-hmm. right. And he yeah. said, in part, because he, you know, at some point, because he was not a gamer when he started doing game study stuff, mm. he was he was one of those people that we're talking about who is on the outside observing games and game culture. Uh, and then he, once he started writing about it more, he's like, I knew that I needed to because I would go to these conferences and talk and people, you know, knew their shit way more than I did. And I'm like, how can I sit here and write about this and be the expert about it? So he like makes it a point. And so... 
Yeah. Yeah. I think you have to treat them as the text that they are and you right. have to experience that. Yeah. 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 I'm not going to trust a, a Shakespeare scholar who's like, well, I saw a play once on, <laughs> in the local theater. You know what I mean? <laughs> Never like, read anything. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and I also want to say, you mentioned about, about people disagreeing with us. I, you know, I think we're both fans of open and honest academic conversations oh, yeah. as well so if you want to write right in, into the show we, you... <laughs> yes yeah we have a very quiet listener base um which is like you know that's fine I, I have social anxiety so i'm i would be one of those people where i'm like what if i write in and they think i'm stupid but yeah if you want to write in and like you know disagree with us agree with us if you have any interesting points that maybe we miss um feel free to write in and we'd be happy to read them and and consider them and even make it a back and forth it doesn't have to be we're not going to read oh, yeah. your email, ridicule you, and be like, moving on. You know what I mean? I feel like that's a... Yeah, 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 yeah. For sure. Um, but yeah, okay. Sorry. So, please. Yeah. Okay. So, what is Far Cry? Uh, Far Cry is a franchise of first-person shooter action-adventure games starting in 2004. Um, the franchise has become defined by open-world gameplay. Um, earlier titles mostly focused on single player experiences while later games have incorporated like online and co-op options a bit more heavily, although the games are still entirely, you know, playable solo. As a franchise, uh, Far Cry has made over 50 million sales as of 2019. However, the numbers I was looking at did not include Far Cry Primal, Far Cry New Dawn, or Far Cry 6. I'm not really sure why that data is not as available to us, um, but I did find articles that made reference of like Ubisoft mentioning like, hey, Far Cry Primal did better than the previous game, but there weren't actual numbers. So 50 million sales for the franchise is probably a I was going to say a bit behind, but probably way behind because we don't have Far Cry 6 included. Right. right? Yeah. Um, so anyways, but a successful for the most part, critically acclaimed franchise of um, video games. Now, with Far Cry, we have six mainline games. So you have Far Cry 4, which came out in 2004. Originally, it was a PC release. Um, I don't know how how much you were envisioning diving into like the specifics, but I do have like the Metacritic scores in case that would be interesting. Yeah, I'm interested. Um, Okay, so what I did to make things consistent was for each of the mainline games, I pulled the PC Metacritic score. I didn't go into, and here's what they said on Xbox. And da, 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 da. So Far Cry um, PC Metacritic score of 89, so relatively uh, high. Far Cry 2 came out in 2008, uh, Metacritic of 85. Far Cry 3 came out in 2012, um, 88 score far cry 4 it came out in 2014 metacritic of 80 so we see a slight oh. dip there um far, far cry, cry 4, 5 said? wow yeah far cry 4 mm -hmm. which is funny because that game i think feel like got some shit and then far cry 5 came out and people really shit yeah on that. um and far cry 5 had a metacritic of um 78 what uh yeah and then this one confuses me far cry 6 2021 release pc metacritic of 76 76 i would bet and we can talk about this later so let's shelve it but i would bet this is franchise fatigue all right so i'm not saying i feel that way i'm just but it, we'll, with, we'll return to that <laughs> yeah it's a it's a ubisoft game and i feel like ubisoft in particular every new release people say that people are like fatigue, yes. fatigue 
We yes. don't hear that about other franchises from Sonic. I don't, but we, like, let's, you know. let's talk about it. Okay, we'll, we'll get there. We'll get there. <laughs> okay, so those are your six mainline games. Um, I will mention the, the like spinoffs here briefly, but the, the bulk of the discussion is going to be focused on those six mainline games today. Um, I might bring up a little bit about like a new dawn or, or blood dragon for just a bit but for your like and i'm using spinoffs as just kind of like the catch-all phrase so far cry instincts came out 2005 that was basically far cry for the xbox content or the mechanics i think were changed a little bit um metacritic of 85 then you have far cry instincts evolution which came out 2006 metacritic of 78 um that uh i'm trying to think was that oh far cry instincts was not backwards compatible so that's why far cry instincts predator was made and that's also a 2006 um release Far Cry Vengeance, uh, 2006. We, this one is notorious. Sorry. Yeah. So Far Cry Instincts Predator, did that come out on the 360? Yes. What was the Metacritic for that? 78. Wow. Same thing as Evolution for the original Xbox. Yeah. That's amazing. I, that's the one that <laughs> had a demo. And Paul, and Paul I'm, I'm, I'm retroactively inserting Paul into my memories. Um, Ron and I played it on Xbox 360 at a free oh. demo. Because at, at that point in time, Xbox was really big on demos. They were pushing like, mm-hmm. all games to have demos. And they had a free online multiplayer demo. Wow. It was so bad. I remember it being so bad. And I was like, oh, <laughs> yeah. man. Because yeah. we were so excited. We're like, ooh, a Far Cry game. Multiplayer. Awesome. And right. then I and so to hear that it's 78. And, yeah. And also Far Cry 6 is 70. Like, come on, man. Right. But please. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> Um, the notorious one, Far Cry Vengeance, 2006, came out in the Wii, Metacritic of 38. Wow. So that's as low as it goes. (laughs) (laughs) Now, when we talk about our summer list, I'm going to mention how I want to go back and dabble in some of these, like, spinoffs. I bought a Wii last fall. I'm going to (laughs) try playing this. (laughs) And you, yeah, you bought, don't you have a physical copy of every... I have a physical copy of every game. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> I'm so curious. There were a lot of games it's where be companies. A shit show. I know. They really <laughs> tried to make something work on the Wii. They were like, yeah, it's a huge, you know, Why player not? base. Like, let's try to put a Call of Duty on there. Oh, <laughs> uh, man. Yeah. That's oh, going to be. Shit. I can't wait to hear a report on that. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's going to um, be a delight. Also, speaking of buying a Wii, just to insert this random thing, I was going through yeah. my blog post looking for old things that I wrote about Far Cry just to refresh my memory. Mm-hmm. And I thought, well, maybe I wrote something about that Far Cry Predator game back when I used to write blogs on One Up. Oh. And I was looking through, and I didn't. But I found one where I was like, "Yeah, my PS2 died, so I bought a PS2 Slim." And I'm like, I do not remember buying a PS2 Slim, but I, I fucking huh. did. It's somewhere in my basement, obviously. But, <laughs> um, but I think it's because then I bought the backwards compatible PS3, and I like didn't have to touch it. But I'm, oh, okay, I'm glad to have it cool. somewhere. But uh, yeah. okay, sorry. So That's neat. Far Cry, no, you're good. yeah. Yeah. Um, Paradise Lost 2007, that is an arcade game. It was um, uh, a two-person rail shooter. Uh, We have Far Cry 3 Blood Dragon, one of my personal favorites. Uh, Came out in 2013, um, Metacritic of of 81. And then you get uh, Far Cry Primal 2016, Metacritic of 74. Far Cry New Dawn 2019, uh, score of 73. And then apparently there is a Far Cry VR Dive into Insanity 2021. 
It is a zero latency VR experience. I am not familiar with zero latency VR, um, but that's a thing. So now my, um, my sense of in talking about the spinoff. So my sense of far cry instincts, uh, far cry instincts, evolution, far cry instincts, predator is that those games, they added additional features to what was originally far cry. So they added things like weapons, um, vehicles, traps, uh, different approaches to like combat encounters. Um, but they weren't necessarily adding like a ton of like content per se. Um, they were good if you wanted more of that like original Far Cry experience. Now, it is important to note that um, the games, to a certain degree, as far as the franchise, only have like some minor connections between them. There will be like some recurring characters, nods to other titles in the franchise. Um, But you can basically pick up any Far Cry and just kind of hop in from there and experience Far Cry, right? You don't need a lot of like backstory. Um, The most significant, I guess... uh, I guess we could say thematic elements that kind of ties the Far Cry games together is that, you know, they, they put the, the player character into a like wild environment uh, where you have to then like survive um, while fighting some force or some various group of, of baddies. Usually there's like a tyrant figure um, who is controlling maybe like the local population or local community. Um, okay, so that's the basic just kind of like background overview. So now we're going to talk about Far Cry. So again, came out in 2004. It was developed by Crytek, uh, but was published by Ubisoft. So Far Cry, you're set on a cluster of like tropical islands and in typical Far Cry fashion, it's like somewhere in the South Pacific, right? You don't want to get too specific. Um, There's some variety as far as like the game's locations. And I think in part that was to like show off, like, look at how pretty and cool things are, right? Because you mentioned like graphics were a big part of this. Um, So there were like beaches and rainforests and swamps. Um, And as the player, you could run into like, um, villages, military outposts, bases. There were some like, uh, I think there were some like underground facilities because there's like a high tech like research facility that you go to. Now for our characters, you play Jack Carver, who was a former special uh, forces operative for the US. His past is presented as like a little bit of a mystery, right? Because you want your your main character to be intriguing. Uh, and then we have Valerie uh, Constantine, who um, is a journalist. Uh, minor spoiler, she is actually an undercover CIA agent. Uh, we have the main villain, which is uh, Dr. Krieger, and he's CEO of Krieger Corps. Uh, his company is working on these like genetic mutations that have started to overtake the island. And then um, his sort of like right hand mercenary commander is named Crow. So as far as like conflict and plot, uh, Jack Carver is heading to this island Um Valerie, the journalist, goes missing. They were both kind of working together and heading towards the island, but they get separated when they're attacked by the mercenaries. Uh, And then basically as Jack, you're just like thrown onto the island. You're searching for Valerie. And as you do that, you run across the mercenary forces. You come across the mutants called Trigens. Um, and like I said, they're, they're overrunning the island because the mercenaries have kind of lost control. And of course, um, Dr. Krieger is presented as this like mad scientist. Uh, so 
I think at some point we should watch the movie again and talk <laughs> about that because yeah, it's very very interesting. Yeah, that's um, that's on our podcast <clears throat> summer playlist, so we're going to be watching yes. that probably soon <laughs> within the next month or two. So yeah, look forward to um, that. Yeah, <laughs> it'll be a treat. We are. Um, <clears throat> so with Far Cry. The DNA of the franchise is presence, like it can be traced back to 2004. So you have a variety of vehicles, you have this sandbox-ish environment, some online play, the ability to approach enemies in, you know, different ways. Um, and of course, those features and abilities were more limited in the original Far Cry than what we would expect from, say, Far Cry 6. Um, at the time, though, it was somewhat inventive, because it presented itself as like an open world. It was more so like a semi-open world Um a, a definite limitation to Far Cry is that the open world was more linear. Mm. So you'd have these areas that felt like they were big and open and they kind of sort of were, but then you would step inside some facility and the game would turn into a corridor shooter. Mm. So a mix of experience, maybe a little bit disappointing if you were expecting like a true open world. Um, so it didn't really fully commit to that notion of the open world. Um, now, something that I think sets Far Cry apart from later games in the franchise is how it deals with this almost uh, sci-fi problem. Like you have this mad scientist who's creating these mutant creatures. And aside from maybe like Far Cry Blood Dragon, the franchise is steered away from sci-fi. It's more so focused on like, we're going to overthrow these like tyrannical leaders, right? Um, something of uh, note here as well is that Far Cry like I said, shows those like early um, hallmarks of the franchise. And in part, one of those features or elements is very colorful, tropical setting, exciting environments, um, and having those like interesting, fun locations contrasted with something sinister and unnerving, mm. which is pretty much present in, in all of the games. Um, and that's something that I want to talk about a little bit later in terms of like whether or not that juxtaposition continues to work as the franchise keeps going and going. I think sometimes it's a little bit more successful uh, than, than others. Now, I do have a couple of like fun facts. So Far Cry, and I don't know how much you know of the history, but Far Cry didn't start as Far Cry. Originally, it was a dinosaur game. Did you know what? that? What? Yeah. So in, I think it was 1999... Developers from Crytek, they went to E3 and they demoed this game called X-Isle Dinosaur what? Island. Yeah. And this <laughs> demo had amazing draw distance for the time, as well as amazing graphics. Water and reflections were notable. Um, it was because of this demo that Ubisoft was like, hey, and they signed X-Isle to be a AAA game. What? So flash forward to 2004, and now that game is known as Far Cry. So Far Cry was a commercial success. It sold, um, one of the articles that I looked at said that it sold over 700,000 copies in the first four months, and then sold over, um, I think it was 2.5 million copies overall. It was also, you know, uh, pretty well-received critically. It got a lot of high praise for its visuals. Um, because of Far Cry's success, Crytek started to get 
noticed by like other other publishers and other developers. And so that's what led to their deal with EA to make Crisis. That is mind blowing. I did not know that. <laughs> and like, yeah, I one of the things that I was really curious about when we when we when we were talking about this before we was the Ubisoft thing because I mm-hmm. I was in in my mind like for Far Cry Four is the first like modern Ubisoft kind of, but I I never played three. But you were like, no, yeah. actually the Ubisoft connection goes back. Oh yeah, you know. But they mm-hmm. when did you so you I know you you probably get to this, but when did Ubisoft start developing it? Because Crytek developed Far Cry yes. One. So, um. When uh, Crytek made their deal with EA, what they basically did was they said, okay, Ubisoft, you can take um, development of Far Cry Instincts for the Xbox. And so that's pretty much when Ubisoft took over um, because they had to rebuild the game almost entirely to meet like the xbox's like technical limitations mm. um and apparently because of that, that like the graphics weren't as exciting on the xbox um but were actually still relatively speaking impressive for the time um so yeah that that's pretty much where they they started to take over uh and they what they did ubisoft um they they got the license to use the quote-unquote far cry edition of the cry engine and that is the engine that was then adapted into ubisoft's engine um it's pronounced dunia right i'm not sure okay (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I don't know. I don't know a ton about like the development of engines, but I thought that that was interesting that like they they didn't get like whatever Crytek's full engine was, but they got the Far Cry edition of that engine, which mm. then kind of rolled over into um, the rest of the franchise. So yeah. they didn't just get Far Cry; they got part of the engine, and I I'm wondering if that was part of what like made the deal so sweet. Yeah, I mean, especially if. That first game was dealing with like pseudo open world elements. And then, of course, we see that that's what Ubisoft becomes known for Mm -hmm. was this. So, yeah, yeah, that might have been the kernel of that. I am also the dinosaur thing. So (laughs) the fact that they brought up draw distance makes me think or makes me wonder if they were in part digging at the Turok games from the N64 because those were really popular first person (laughs) shooters with dinosaurs, but they were you know, slammed because there were just, there was so much fog because the the N64 just couldn't handle draw distance. (laughs) And so there was so much fog and it was like, you don't know that there's a dinosaur 20 feet ahead of you because the fucking... Do you have a copy of that game? I'd love to see it. I think I have both of them. Yeah. Oh shit. Okay. Sometime. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, But yeah, so that, that makes me, again, that makes me wonder if maybe... If that was 1999, that's right around the time. So I wonder if they were sort of inspired by that, but they were like, we could do that could better. Like we can have draw distance where you can see the dinosaurs and see plants and everything. So man, yeah. it's so wild to think that, that the Far Cry series started from potentially mm-hmm. a Turok competitor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But uh, okay, um, so Far Cry 2, are we, are we there yet? Yeah, Far Cry 2. So Far Cry 2 came out in 2008. So this is really the first full-blown Far Cry coming from Ubisoft because, again, those other spinoffs like for the Xbox and the Xbox 360 were mostly like, let's take Far Cry and make it on the console and then let's make it a little bit better, right? So 
Far Cry 2 was developed in the Dunia engine, and it was supposed to be more realistic than the first game. And I have a couple of um, things here that I'm going to be quoting. So um, this is coming from a Eurogamer article. Quote, Far Cry marked the beginning of a new era for shooters, an era of gorgeous graphics and of advanced artificial intelligence, said John Park's Ubisoft marketing man. (laughs) That's funny to me. (laughs) Marketing man. Marketing man. We are confident that Far Cry 2 will have the same impact again on the FPS genre landscape, end quote. So based on the way that Ubisoft talked about the game in promotional material, dev diaries, and during, um, I think it was the PAX demo of 07, uh, they wanted Far Cry 2 to be set in a beautiful location, but a location that most players hadn't or probably hadn't been to. Um, They wanted the game to be realistic and immersive, and they wanted higher levels of gameplay. Now, those buzzwords were thrown around a lot. Dynamic, realistic, immersive. Um, And it's funny, I I found um, a clip of that PAX demo, and they really emphasized the trees, Joey. Look at the bark. Look at the texture. See how the trees are destructible. Like... (laughs) They even shot off like some branches to show that like the tree's shadows would then change. Like they really hitting home like this is so realistic and immersive. Um, So that emphasis on the like tech was just as present, I think, in Far Cry 2's marketing as it was for the original Far Cry. Mm. Um, Now, as for the setting, it is an unnamed uh, African uh, nation characters. So with your protagonist, you got to choose from a dozen or so mercenaries whose job it is to take out the Jackal. So the Jackal is this arms uh, trafficker, and he's supplying weapons to these two warring factions. Um, And he's really playing like both sides and kind of wants you to do the same. Uh, So you can imagine the sort of like moral quandaries that the the player might be uh, faced with. Then there are other uh, characters like uh, the Jackal's captains and lieutenants. Tenants. Uh, there are a number of like allies for for you as the protagonist, um, but let's let's talk a little bit more about the story. So, Sorry. as a mercenary, I just very quickly, mm-hmm. I, I rem- reminded of Doctor Krieger. Was he? Mm-hmm. We hear so much about Far Cry villains. Yeah. I don't think I've ever heard of Doctor Krieger. Like maybe when no. I played it, but like he's not. What about the Jackal? Is he one of the ones that Far Cry I fans would- love? Yes and no. So Far Cry 2 is one of those games that people love it or they hate it. Hmm. Um, if if you were to just talk about the narrative of Far Cry 2, the Jackal is interesting, but he's not like the charismatic, uh, flamboyant kind of bad guys that we've seen in, in other games. You know what I mean? Like he's no pagan men. So that right? starts and with it, three. Right. I would say it starts with three, okay. but I think Far Cry 2 laid the foundation. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so as as a mercenary, your goal is to kill the jackal. Uh, the African nation that you're in, I think it's um, somewhere in Eastern Africa, it's being torn apart by civil war. Both sides are presented as being particularly brutal to the people who live there. So there's not really like a defined, clearly, these are the good guys. Um, and the Jackal is, of course, making things worse because he's feeding into both sides by supplying them with with weapons. Now, as the game opens, you are sick with malaria, which is something that you have to deal with throughout the game by getting access to medicine. 
Um, you actually uh, meet the the jackal right away. I think you like wake up in a similar fashion to like Far Cry Three, um, or not Far Cry Three. Well, well, there is a moment early on in Far Cry Three, but whatever. Um, you wake up, the jackal is there, and he's uh, he he's present, and then he just kind of like disappears for a while. <laughs> Which is something that Far Cry games sometimes do, or they like, like Pagan Men. I know that was one of the complaints of Far Cry 4 that like they show you this really cool villain and then he's like gone for much of the game, right? But, anyways, you upfront get to see like the brutality of the Jackal and the conflict in the region. And this is the supposed driving force, it's, it's pushing the player forward. Um, and that's very much, uh, th- or this game is very much centered on madness, violence, and choice. So, as the player leaves the opening town, you're basically free to start taking on quests. And those quests involve helping an underground network and a local journalist who is trying to get out word of like what's happening in this region. Um, and throughout the game, you will run into the Jackal at a couple of different points. And he is going to suggest that you... Um, work together eventually to save the civilians. So he kind of like turns a little bit. Um, and this is going to lead you with a decision to make. So here's where spoiler uh, comes in. Both of the decisions will result in your death. Hmm. So basically it's like, what do you want to do? How do you want to die? Um, so I won't spoil that. I won't, I won't tell you what the two paths are. Um, but after you die, Okay, you find out that basically the country descends into chaos, despite all of your attempts, despite um, peace talks, uh, your efforts did very, very little. And the jackal supposedly dies. But is he really dead? Because they never find his body. Well, in fiction writing, fictional media, that means that he's absolutely not. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Um, So some people are like, what the fuck? Because you were presented with choices and it was meaningless, right? It's very negative. It's very just like violence and chaos. And you're presented with these like moral dilemmas. And yet you're trying to help these people and it doesn't fucking matter. It doesn't fucking matter. So this is like as dark as Far Cry has gone in the franchise. So you can't be a hero. Like doesn't <laughs> you, like you're the, not, the whole point And you're of a mercenary. Games. You're not a good person to start out with, wow. right? Yeah. So I liked this game. I don't know that I would ever go back and play it because I did find it to be a difficult game to play. Um, but I think it was necessary to kind of bridge a gap between like, here's the first Far Cry and we're not really sure what we're doing. And then someone came along and was like, okay, we have a more defined vision and it succeeded and failed. And then Far Cry three, but we'll, we'll talk about that in a little bit. Um, it's so, far- Oh, go yeah, ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say, it's just so there's two things that are interesting to me about all of this. Number one is the fact that, like you said, they're so focused on the first player experience, which is something that we, in, in terms of first person shooters, have gotten away from, which is why when the new Wolfenstein was kind of relaunched, people yeah. were so like pleasantly surprised because at that point in time, it was like the single player experience was king. And so they're talking about things like the graphics and everything like that. Whereas like mm-hmm. now your focus is on gameplay balance and like features and yeah. 
you know, cosmetics and things like that because it's a multiplayer thing. That's what the, that's where the, the shift has been. And so you want to hear about content. What's going to be, where, when are we getting mm-hmm. new maps? When are we getting new weapons? And what are the events and stuff like that? Whereas back then, it's about like, how do we tell a really interesting story? And now, again, like that's why when Call of Duty was like, we're going to come out with a Call of Duty with no story. I was like, come mm-hmm. on. Like for someone like right? me who grew up with games like this, it's like kind of heartbreaking. Yeah. The other thing yeah. is when did Far Cry 2 come out? Um, Far Cry 2 was 2008. That's so interesting because also in 2008, I was just looking this up as you were talking, Hayes came out and Hayes was out, was another first person shooter. Okay. And that one also dealt with a medical issue kind of thing. So with uh, Far Cry 2, it's malaria. And Hayes, uh-huh. it's like this drug that you inject yourself with to get battle enhancements. But if you okay. do it too much, then you become addicted. And then uh-huh. you need it or your life starts. Dr- it's like, it's a whole thing. Uh-huh. But it's it's yeah. interesting to me that they came out at the same time and that that was one of the wrinkles that developers were starting to think about was like, is there something that we can do to affect the player and they have to constantly be thinking about. And in a narrative way. And then do those two examples lay the groundwork for what we have in Red Dead 2 with Arthur? Oh, shit. Yeah. Like, is that the lineage? It yeah, I don't be, know. Yeah. That's that's interesting. Yeah. Um, as far, real quick here, as far as like playing the game and experience, uh, Far Cry 2 featured a, a bigger map than what we saw in Far Cry. It gave players more freedom and like legitimate freedom. So you could basically choose to do things in whatever order you liked. There was a a day-night cycle, and you could play around with that to kind of manipulate how you wanted to approach enemies. Obviously, if you ambush by night, you have the advantage. Um, Weather was a significant element of the game. Um, to the point that it could change how you experienced combat. So for example, if it was windy, you could start a fire and let the wind blow that fire out of control. And one of the sort of like technical things was that Far Cry 2 had um, amazing fire dynamics. And they built on that with Far Cry 3 and then uh, additional games. Um, you could also use like fog to mask your position. Dust would kick up and most things in the world, like the trees, uh, were destructible. Um, the game was definitely more, to use their words, dynamic than the first. Um, it's in this game that we see the early, uh, experimenting with the guns for hire concept. You could help people by doing side missions for them, and that would in turn strengthen your relationship with the faction. Um, there were little things like your guns would sometimes jam, and the, the map was, you didn't like hit tab to just have a full blown map, your character actually held the map and, and looked at it. And at the time I, I thought that that was cool. Um, Far Cry two, I think is one of those games that kept pushing the notion of the open world forward. Um, if, and, and I, I brought in a quote here. So this is uh, from a GameSpot article by Brad uh, Schumacher. Quote, put simply, Far Cry 2 is the closest game we've yet to, we've seen yet to a true open world. And that's not just because you can roam around the entire game without ever seeing a loading screen. The only plot and environmental elements that are set in stone, the, the story's su- superstructure, as creative director Clint Hawking puts it, are those described in the previous paragraph. Everything else is mutable based on your actions, allegiances, and chosen missions. And ultimately, the cascading effects of all those choices you make, end quote. 
I think that's really cool. Like that is truly a game where if we had sat down and played it at launch, we would have different experiences because you might go east and I might go west, you know? Um, so at the end, yes, narratively, your choice didn't matter because the country was always going to devolve into chaos. But in the journey to get there, you might experience different things. Wow, Far, Far Cry 2 is so much more impactful to the series than I thought. It's probably the one I knew the least about, you know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. I've heard so many people talk about 3. It seems to be like a fan favorite among yes. many Far Cry fans. Far Cry 2 is polarizing. <laughs> well, yeah, but it's, it makes me think about Far Cry 4 a little bit too because it's they're really refining so many of those ideas. I mean, to the point where I think about when we both started Far Cry 6, yeah. And I was like, oh, did you go to, and you're like, I haven't run into that person yet. And I'm like, what? Where did you go? And you're like, oh, I went like to the mm-hmm. northwest around the little coast or whatever. And I'm like, oh, I went like northeast to the little gulf. And we went two different directions and we had a whole mm-hmm. different opening of the game. And like, I, again, in my brain, I think of Far Cry 4, 5, and 6 is very different than the early games, but it sounds like so many of the yes. foundational things started in two. Mm-hmm. Like I said, you can trace that DNA back through, um, which is interesting. Um, A couple of real quick things. So this was like a fun fact. Uh, The marketing for this game was funny because of like, you know, look at the bark. But also Ubisoft apparently really emphasized the map is huge. So that's where that started. Um, And then (laughs) and I would love to see it compared to like modern maps because modern maps are so gigantic. (laughs) It's just a baby. Um, and then as for reviews, I looked at a a handful, um, and it was funny to see because some games journalists seemed really confused by Far Cry 2. Like, they had good things to say about the game in general, but they were so stuck on, like, why is the game called Far Cry 2? There aren't any characters that are in common. Like, a lot of the features are different. They were like, what the fuck? (laughs) Um... (laughs) Because, like, you have Far Cry, set protagonist, mutated bad guys, tropical setting, and then Far Cry 2 is choose your character. There's no mutated bad guys. There's no sci-fi elements. It's set in Africa. Um, <laughs> totally different as far as the tone. Um but the game was still, you know, kind of splashy, right? Like it's, it featured a new engine. There was exciting gunplay. There were some unique game elements and features. Now there were some bugs present at launch. Um, and some players commented on the gunplay not being quite so great. Um, one of the biggest complaints though with this game is that the, the enemies constantly respawn. So I would like clear out a camp come back later the guards would be back Damn. it was so annoying that's probably the number one reason why i'll never play this game again. <laughs> <laughs> um but as for some final thoughts so to this day some far cry fans insist that far cry 2 is the best far cry game hands down wow now of course there are those who say that the game is way overrated and no one should ever play it and we should just forget about it I played Far Cry 2 on PC years ago, and I did enjoy it, but it is certainly a a product of its time. It's a hard game. Um, I think I played it, it would have been around like 2013, 2014-ish, because I played it after Far Cry 3. Um... And actually a couple of years ago, I thought like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give it a shot. I'm gonna try playing this again. 
I don't know if it was just the day I was having, but that that game is fucking hard. Like, mm. I was like, how did I do this before? Like, I stopped playing, put it on the shelf. I'm like, I think I think we're good. I think we're good. <laughs> um, but like you mentioned, uh, I, I, Far Cry 2 was significant for the franchise. I think it was necessary for the franchise to move forward. Um, and also just for the development of like open world games in general, uh, it reflects a lot of the, uh, ideas that we see in later games. Um, and, and I won't, I won't claim that those, those ideas and the iterations of those ideas were necessarily executed well, but some of those ideas are necessary for where like games are today. And I, I feel like there's not enough discussion of like, what is the, I don't know if lineage is the, is really the right word, but like what, what were the steps, you know, to get to where we are? Um, unlike a lot of games at the time, Far Cry 2 did have this openness in terms of narrative. There weren't as many like guided paths or like cutscenes. Instead, the world was more responsive to like what you were doing as the player. Um, and like I said, if you and I were to play Far Cry 2, we would have the same end game, but the path to that end game would be different. And that's something that when it's executed well in a game today, I really appreciate. So yeah, I think that Far Cry 2 was unique for the time um, and necessary, but it's not a game that I will go back to, I don't think. And we're not yet seeing like RPG elements, right? Like you can't, Mm-mm. when you pick up weapons, you can't like upgrade them. You can't upgrade your health or anything no. that I think that's part of what makes those older games so hard Yes, is that the enemies are pretty much that like as deadly as they are in the beginning as they are in the end. It's just, you mm-hmm. know, so you can't like, Oh, well this, this is too hard for me. I need to go find a better weapon or anything like that. It's no, not know. necessarily. Yeah. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. But, Speaking of RPG, Far Cry 3. Oh, segue. <laughs> All right. So Far Cry 3 came out in 2012. Um, this was developed. Oh, oh, let me let me go back up on my notes here for a second. Because so with Far Cry, Ubisoft was just the publisher. With Far Cry 2, Far Cry 2 was developed by Ubisoft Montreal and then published by Ubisoft, of course. And then Far Cry 3 was also developed by Ubisoft Montreal and of course published by Ubisoft. So they the Montreal kind of held it for a bit, but later on we'll see that it kind of got passed passed around. Okay, so Far Cry 3. Um the latest sales data that I found stated that this game sold more than 10 million copies. So this was a huge success for the franchise, huge success for Ubisoft. Uh, The earliest mention I found of Far Cry 3 was in an article from 2009. And that article was reporting on how a Ubisoft employee had confirmed, hey, Far Cry 3 is in development. Now, this article seemed to be a bit lukewarm on there being another Far Cry. It referred to Far Cry 2's sales as, quote, apparently solid enough to warrant a third addition to the franchise, end Hmm. quote. (laughs) So some people were not impressed by Far Cry 2. Uh, (laughs) However, (laughs) once Ubisoft released promotional material, the buzz began. So the E3 demo was where we got the introduction to Voss, the pirate protagonist. 
Um, and people were really excited about him. We got a glimpse at the gunplay, which looked more solid than it had been in the previous games. And of course, we got to see the beautiful tropical island setting. Um, I think the promotional material like this really got people talking in part because of Voss. Like his character was so um, charismatic and just intriguing and just stood far and above the Jackal um, and, and Dr. Krieger from, from the first game. Um, he is more like the Jackal, I think, but tone that up by like 10, right? Um, and, and that demo just made Voss seem way more involved. And so we have this stronger like narrative pull that I think got people uh, interested. He's, I As mean, I said, would you say he's like the number one villain? I feel like that, that's a for name. a lot of people. Right. Yes, it comes up all mm-hmm. the time. And oh yeah, it's one of those things where I'm like, I have to play it eventually because like that's all I hear about yeah. any villain that comes out. They're like, well, there's no boss. I'm like, damn it. Yeah, yeah. You definitely, yeah, d- definitely play it at some point. Um, it's interesting because people, you know, the rumor mill. People are like, what? What's the next like spinoff game going to be? And some people are like. Well, they hinted at Voss at the end of Far Cry 6. Maybe the spinoff will be all about Voss. Mm. I don't know how I feel about that because you can never go back to like, you can never go home, right? Like, will it capture the magic? I don't know. Um, Okay, so I think with uh, Far Cry 3 to go back to this idea of marketing, um, it helped that the marketing was different for Far Cry 3 than it had been for, for 1 and 2. So Far Cry 3 was promoted with a web series. Um, it was promoted with some companion apps. Uh, they, they really went hardcore in selling this game, more so for like what you could do in the story and less of like, the tech is amazing, right? Like, I feel like developers got over that a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Um, now, this game was critically acclaimed. It received a ton of nominations for, like, end-of-the-year awards and stuff like that. You know, it was named Best Game, Best Shooter, all, all kinds of things. Um, and I think this game, in part, did so well because it brought together a lot of different elements and it did so successfully um you know you can use a variety of weapons from like bows to flamethrowers you can approach a pirate outpost stealthily or you can go in like all aggressive and rambo style Uh, you can traverse the world on foot you can go by boat by car jet ski there's even like uh hang gliders at various locations which are kind of fun but also dangerous to use um (laughs) you have i've crashed more times than i'm willing to admit um you have items to upgrade, right? So bring it in the RPG stuff. Yeah. You improve your weapons. You unfortunately have to hunt and kill different animals in order to like have a bigger pouch to carry your flamethrower tanks or whatever the fuck, you know? Um, now, Far Cry 3 didn't invent any of those individual things that I mentioned. However, it pulled together those ingredients into a successful recipe in ways that games before had not. And so for many, this was their first Far Cry game and it was really exciting and it was fresh and it was new. Mm. That's why people love this game. And, and because of us, right? Um, okay. Setting cluster of pirate controlled tropical islands called the rook islands somewhere again near the the pacific ocean um by the way i uh i didn't learn about this until recently but apparently the developers wanted the rook islands to feel like 
it, it was its own character in the game. So they, they put a lot of attention to um, detail with the environment. Like they wanted the, the island themselves, the islands themselves, if I could talk to be part of the, of the narrative, part of the story. Um, That's they so use, sorry. I just want to, yeah. cause like every, every entry is sounding mm-hmm. more and more like not just the Far Cry formula, but like the Ubisoft formula in general. Yes. Like every new element that you're like, and then in addition to that stuff, they added this. I'm like, that's the yeah. Ubisoft formula. So mm-hmm. that, sorry, I just wanted to point that out. That's amazing. No, and that's like, we've talked before, like, oh, they did this thing in Far Cry and that similar mechanic is in Assassin's Creed, but they did something do it. They did something a little different. They'll take elements across their franchises to develop them. And I think that that's smart in a lot of ways, but you start to notice like, oh, that's the same ingredient over here, right? Um, It reminds me of what Rockstar does. And now mm -hmm. it's starting to remind me of like Sony and the way that Sony is purchasing their studios. I feel like they're doing so with that in mind of like, how do we create a family of studios that shares technology and shares ideas like and has, Mm -hmm. because people talk about Sony first party games, they're all made by different developers but they are starting to have a cohesive feel. There's like telltale features. It must be more efficient, I feel. But anyways, um, to go back to that idea of like how much care they put into the environment. So what they did was they used an algorithm in the Dunia engine to procedurally generate large areas in the world. And then they'd go back in and manually adjust things to make them unique. That sounds so contemporary. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that made the game's environments less predictable. And again, dynamic. They love that word. Man. They really <laughs> love that word. <laughs> it shows dynamic. up every time. <laughs> um, okay, so our cast of characters. You have Jason Brody, who is basically... He and all his friends are like... <laughs> they're, they're like white bros. They got money... They're snobbish. I don't particularly like Jason. That might be a contentious thing to say. Um, but that's Jason, his group <laughs> of friends. He's got Riley. Um, uh, Riley is actually Jason's younger brother. There's Grant, Jason's older brother. Daisy, who is Grant's girlfriend. Um, Lisa, Jason's girlfriend. <laughs> I know, right? Oliver, he's a friend of the group. He's a very successful and or no, that Keith is the successful investment banker. Oliver is the rich boy who loves drugs. So yeah. These, well, okay, I'll pause on that. We also have Dennis Rogers. And the reason why I'm saying a little Dennis bit more Rodman? characters. That's amazing. Dennis Rogers. No, I know. That's <laughs> right. <laughs> I just want Dennis Rodman to be in the game. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, this is more narrative heavy. So there's a more fuller realized cast of characters. Um, Dennis is this ally and kind of like mentor figure to Jason. Um, he's a kind of, I guess, adopted member of the the local tribe. Um, Citra, she is part of the rebel force on the island. She's referred to as this like warrior goddess. You have Dr. Um, I think it's Earnhardt. He's a, a botanist. He just happens to live on one of the islands. Um, and then, of course, you have Voss, who is this like pirate lord. And then Hoyt Volker is Voss's boss so he's in charge of the mercenary group um and basically the bad guys here are involved in the slave trade and they're they're working together to a degree so our our conflict is 
Jason and all his white friends are, um, they're living it up on vacation in Bangkok. They decide to go skydiving, which leads them to the Rook Islands, which of course are overrun by pirates. These stupid white people <laughs> end up skydiving there, captured by the pirates, of course. Voss intends to like put a ransom on them because he accurately assumes that they have parents with money. And so he's going to like put them up for ransom, but then sell them into slavery. Um, Jason breaks free. Spoiler, his older brother is killed at the start of the game. Um, Jason ends up being rescued by Dennis, the guy who's a part of the tribe. And Dennis takes him into one of the um, Rockout villages. Jason recovers from there. Basically, Jason... um, you know, having lost his friends, he, he's got to be the savior, right? He's in the perfect position, quotes, perfect position to align himself with a local tribe, find his friends, fight the pirates, and of course, you know, help the, the tribe. Um, what color is he? Way. Just, what? Uh, what color is he? <laughs> you said a savior? He's a, he's a- white savior. <laughs> <clears throat> Um, now, as he, you know, is fighting against the, the pirates and Hoyt and Voss, you know, he's searching for his friends. He becomes closer to Citra, the leader of the rock yacht. Um, I'll talk a little bit more about that in a second. Um, moving away from the story briefly. So as far as play as an experience, Far Cry 3, as you probably assumed, is a lot like the more recent Far Cry games. Um, there's an emphasis on combat, exploration, There's a variety of weapons for you to use, um, skill trees to level up, uh, you know, experience points to earn, all that good stuff. Um, The narrative includes both side missions and, of course, main story missions. And they're more along the lines of what we would see in, you know, Far Cry 6, let's say. But there's not as much in the world. You know how Ubisoft has developed their games into, like, there's icons everywhere? Far Cry 3, there's, you know, ample uh icons all over the map but it's not quite as like dense i guess i would say um cutscenes are back and the narrative is more linear than it was in far cry 2 but we're still talking about like a true fully fledged open world right um as for the like uh, critical reception far cry 3 was praised for its characters mostly uh vas it was also praised for like the world design, gameplay, and there's there's a lot to like in this game, and it, I think it's obvious why fans continue to look back on Far Cry Three with fondness. Now, before I get to some of the negatives, because I have to talk about the negatives with this one. I'm sorry <laughs> to the people that just love it. Um, I'm going to share a couple like fun facts. So. This is the first mainline game in the franchise to introduce the drug-induced dreamlike sequences. So you were introduced to that in like Far Cry 4, right? Yeah. And it's basically kind of followed throughout. This is also the first game where um, the character Herc appears, which some people, you know, they wish he'd never appeared to begin with. Um, <laughs> I also found a really interesting interview. So the Guardian published an interview with the creative director, Jason, I think it's Vanderberg, in 2011. And basically, Jason was asked about the the setting of the island and how it was connected to this idea of like self-discovery. And Jason responded by saying, quote, when I come on and work with a brand, I really want to understand what makes it tick. 
What's the emotion we're going for? And to me, Far Cry is all about a fantasy I call man alone. It's Robinson Crusoe. It's Castaway. It's any environment where I'm cut off from civilization and I have to rely on myself to survive. When I'm confronted by the darkness, whether that's monsters, bad guys, or solitude, I've got to overcome that by learning more about who I am. That is a powerful human myth, and it's one of the reasons the original Far Cry hit so hard. I want to make sure that's what we're delivering in Far Cry 3, end quote. I think that's interesting because it's really getting at the heart of all of the mainline Far Cry games. Um, you know, it speaks to a particular fantasy that people want to live through media. And I think that's why so many open world games work so well too, right? Like, yes, there's a character, maybe you get to design some of them, maybe you don't, but like, you get to go out, right? The world is your own. Um, but at the same time, that can lead to the problematic shit too, right? So the f- the protagonists in the first two Far Cry games were specialists, right? They were killers in some way, yes. weren't they? Had training. Yes. Mm-hmm. And in Far Cry 3, you're just some snobby some dude. white dude, right? Yeah. And that makes me think, I mean, in the in the games that would follow, it, in some version of you are kind of a nobody. So, mm-hmm. like, not a nobody, but, like, you don't have... Yeah, yeah. Again, you're, you're well, in Far Cry 5, you kind of are, aren't you? Oh, man, I don't remember. We'll have to talk you are a that, deputy but. in Far Cry 5, but yeah. yeah, we'll get to that. Yeah, so you have some, you have some training, but, like... Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, and the fact that that that's this white savior. So it's not even like, well, I was ordered to go in. It's like no. I was being dumb and yeah. like, <laughs> and I got yeah. in trouble. And these local people, they just can't deal with this issue. And yeah. me, some random white person falls from the sky, literally, yeah. and like saves them. So I can see why. Like, I do. I feel like that's the the one blotch that I see on this game a lot is that it's like one of the best examples of like a white savior narrative but yeah so okay i'm gonna be fully transparent far cry 3 used to be my favorite far cry game okay um i i i would now say that playing far cry 3 was my most memorable far cry experience it is a mix of nostalgia It was the first game that I bought and played on that gaming desktop. I had an amazing experience with the game. I had a lot of fun. First-person shooters and RPGs are among my favorite video games. And, you know, you you combine that and then also have an open world. Like, that. that's, that's like, oh, my God, that's amazing to me. So it was a wonderful experience and, you know, I, I had an, a, I had a great time and also it was an island setting. Like it was all of these things coming together and it was like perfect for me. I think also that Far Cry 3 presents us with a, generally speaking, a meaningful open world game. It's not too cluttered, but it's not too barren. Like there's just enough. The design makes sense. Um, it doesn't really fall prey to like being too big for its own good, like some later games maybe do. Um, the world is big enough, and yet it's still focused on narrative experiences that engage players um, without becoming like too recycled or too predictable. Okay. And just today, so I've been replaying Far Cry 3. I'm, I don't know, a good 10 or 15 hours into my playthrough. And just today, I had one of those moments that really, I think, 
made Far Cry 3 stand apart from the games before it. So I'm moving along. I'm trying to get to one of the towers so I can open up a portion of the map. And I see that there is a uh, enemy outpost. So I'm like, okay, it's on the way. I'm going to approach the outpost. And I like, I get up close to the outpost. I go up on a hill. I take out my camera so I can zoom in and like tag the bad guys. As I'm doing this, a wild animal Goes into the outpost and kills everyone for me. Oh my god! Everyone and I'm just I'm just crouched there like I don't have to do anything. Like it that encapsulates the randomness that we now expect out of Far Cry games, right? And that that it started happening in Far Cry Three. Those That's moments so are just like interesting and fun and amazing. I didn't have to do anything. And then so when you take out an outpost, when you take out the last guy, a little cutscene, you know, it kind of pans over the outpost. So this animal just slaughters everyone. And then the cutscene cues and I get the points for it. Like, thanks. <laughs> That's so funny so, because, oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, like that, th- this is a fun game. Right. And again, those like threads of those really cool random things are present here. And I, yeah, that's one of the things that I love about the Far Cry games is like you said, sometimes it's just completely unpredictable Mm -hmm. because that almost exact same thing. And I don't think it's scripted. I think some people might say, well, but if everyone has, but I think it's just that those things, there's so many elements that are unaccounted for in the world, this open world that that Mm -hmm. stuff probably happens frequently, you know, or, or like regularly, I guess I would say. But yeah, that that exact thing almost happened to me in Far Cry 4 because I love people hate outposts. I think maybe it's part of the the fatigue that you're talking about. But like, yeah, I like the outpost thing and I like getting like a sniper rifle mm-hmm. in Far Cry 4. That's what I like. Sniper rifles and assault rifles are my number one go to. Yeah. And I love going around like the whole perimeter, finding a really good sniping spot, like tracking the enemies, you know, tagging them, seeing where they're going to go. And I did that the one time and it took me. And it like takes patience and it takes time. It took all this time and I'm getting ready to start taking them out because you have to take them out in a specific order. Because if you take this guy out, then that guy's going to notice he's going to go for the alarm. So so I'm doing that. I'm getting ready. And then, like you said, I think it was like uh, whatever the big cats are in Far Cry 4 started attacking one of the outside guards. And so two <laughs> of the other guards are running over and they start shooting and it starts attacking them. And I'm like, well, I can't let them because like I think Ubisoft tries to account for that. So they put animals in their enclosures which i'm curious about if that is in far cry 3 but in far cry 4 and forward in some of the camps there will be a caged animal and you can shoot the cage and release the animal and kind of like produce the thing that we're talking about Mm -hmm. i don't like doing that because i don't want to hurt the animals which we'll talk about later but when a wild one like the cat like the big cat like you were saying or whatever your animal was like starts attacking i'm like i'm going to support it so then i'm like sniping the dudes trying to like help the cat um and we yeah we took out the whole base together and i was like this is amazing like i can't think of another game that does that but yeah sorry Mm -hmm. yeah no so it's fun it's great now i have to talk briefly about the problematic stuff if you want to skip this this is probably gonna take me a couple minutes so for my reading my perspective the game is problematic on a number of levels and I, I really can't talk about the game today um, in this context without acknowledging that. So as I've mentioned, it falls into the white hero narrative trap uh, in that you enter in and you're somehow the perfect person to just solve everyone's problems, right? And 
it also falls into that kind of trap because usually what happens is there's a skewed view of like the people that are already there, the people that have been try- trying, the people that that have been resisting and the people that exist in that space, right? Um, the people that are um, native to those islands are immediately sexualized from the very beginning. So you, wow. so I guess spoiler for the next few minutes, you wake up um, and Dennis is giving you a tattoo that is representative of the tribe. So one, he didn't ask to give you that tattoo. You're just given it. So you're automatically like somehow deserving of having this tattoo that imbues you with like power. Mm. Right. And then as you're walking around the village with Dennis, there are, there are people in, in the village, right. And they're dancing and having a good time. And Dennis immediately, I, I wrote it down somewhere. I can't remember where it is, but he immediately makes a comment about like the women, like, Oh, they're, they're pretty, aren't they? So you're encouraged to look at the women in a very particular lens, right. By someone who's considered an insider of the rock yacht people. So that's, that's suspect. Um, the protagonist Jason's masculinity is the driving motivator for nearly all of Jason's actions. Hmm. He is fragile. He is coddled throughout the game, which is ultimately the game built on his this toxic male fantasy of domination, sex, and violence. Hmm. That's my thesis statement. (laughs) Plus, the game does, and so, okay, again, spoiler and also sensitivity, I guess, warning. The game does this really weird thing where Jason is raped, and you're not encouraged to question or think critically about that moment at all. Wow. And I I know, I know, there are some people who will say, no, he's not. You wake up and Citra is on you. You didn't consent to that. Instead, it's like, oh, having sex with Citra. No, 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 my friends. That's not how that works. Yeah. Um, Consent doesn't work retroactively. It's not. No. Because if you would have woken up and it's already started and you're like, no, then you know what I mean? It's like you can't just assume that some. Yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. So (laughs) narratively. Far Cry 3 is a mess. Um, if you're able to put that aside <laughs> and just play the game for fun, I, I can't deny it. it is fucking fun. But again, I can't talk about, oh, this is great to me without like, hello, major red flag, right? Yeah. Um, yes, it is the ultimate open world like shooter playground. Um, and and that part of it was a refreshing moment for the franchise. But it's also where this weird divide between open world playground and quote unquote serious narrative begins to form for the franchise. Um, and that divide I think has only grown deeper as more games are released. We can talk about that at like at the end of our discussion. Um, I'm not sure if it's something that the franchise can necessarily recover from, but I also don't think that the developers see it as an active problem or at least not yet. Um, and apparently Far Cry's writer had this whole discussion after the game, I think it was after the game came out, that the game is supposed to be satire. But that's bullshit. And I, I, I wait for you to play, because if something is satire, you as the reader or the viewer or the listener are supposed to be able to tell that it's satire. Yeah. <laughs> so anyways, um, we can, yeah, like we can, Saints, Saints Row is satire. Saints, Saints Row, if you glance yeah. at it, is really problematic. 
mm-hmm. but it's obvious that it's satire. So yeah, when it's like hypersexualizing sexualizing its characters, it's doing so to draw attention to how we hypersexualize characters in games. So in some ways that people might some people might argue that that's still problematic, but regardless mm-hmm. the satire is obvious and Yes, yes. You know, yeah, it doesn't sound like that's in this case. So Yeah. So that's Far Cry 3. <laughs> <laughs> I still want you to play it. I still um, I, w- I still want to play it. Like I especially yeah. having a heads up for that problematic stuff, I think it'll make it easier to just kind of roll my eyes when it happens and yeah. say like, "Ah, well, I guess I kind of knew it was coming." But so mm-hmm. many of the gameplay features, again, it's just more and more and more sounding like the Far Cry that I'm used to, which is which makes sense because it's immediately preceding Far Cry 4. But yep. so I'm sure I'll have a good time. Like the idea of clearing out outposts and stuff like that. I mm-hmm. like that. So yeah. And the towers, which I know some people hate, um, acted as like little puzzles, too. So I, yeah, I, I think you would enjoy the gameplay part of Far Cry 3. But all right, Far Cry 4. So (laughs) development of Far Cry 4 started after Assassin's Creed 3 released in 2012. um, And Far Cry 4 came out in 2014. But it was in 2013 that Ubisoft suggested that Far Cry, another Far Cry was in the works. Like they didn't really commit. Um, So Far Cry 4 released in, I think it was November of 2014. And it immediately sold one and a half million copies in its first week, which at the time made it the biggest launch uh, for the franchise. Of course, that would a new record would be set with um, Far Cry 5. And I'm guessing another new record was set with Far Cry 6, but we don't have the numbers or at least I couldn't find them. Now, as much as some people like to complain about the Far Cry franchise, like, oh, it's growing stale, franchise fatigue, da 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 Yeah, well, you know what? The game sure do sell well. Like, people yeah. <laughs> people are clearly hungry for this stuff. Anyway, um, apparently, initially, Ubisoft wanted to make a direct sequel to Far Cry 3 because it was so successful and people loved Voss and all that. But ultimately, they decided, nope, we're going to drop that idea. We're going to do a new location, new characters. So, The game takes place in um, Kirat, which is a fictional Himalayan country. It's inspired by regions in northern India and Nepal. And the game is divided into two major regions. So you have north, northwest, and south Kirat. Uh, The southern part of the map is relatively open to the player from the very beginning, whereas the the northern region unlocks as you, you know, progress through the story and the conflict uh, rises and all that. With uh, the environment, Far Cry 4 is more vertical than the previous games. So I think Ubisoft was kind of testing that out a little bit. You can traverse through mountains and forests and valleys and rivers. And I don't know about you, but I thought it was a it was a pretty game. Um, and of course, with the setting, there are some new animals to the franchise. People really liked that component of Far Cry 3. So we have like Asian elephants and rhinos and brown bears and tigers. Um, and I remember being so excited when they released one of their videos and it was like the setting and like the animals. I was like, oh my God, that's so cool. Um, of course, it makes me a little sad that you have to like kill the animals, but yeah. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk about that. Um, but for me, half the fun of the game is like, what is the environment? What do I get to explore? Like, and and usually they take you to places that are sort of underrepresented in video games. Um, so yeah, I, uh, I, uh, appreciate that for our cast of characters. Uh, 
there's a number of people, but um, is it it's AJ, right? That sounds right. Yeah. Some people I know say AJ, but I'm like, you're mm, eh, no. <laughs> That's the way. That's not how they right. Saying. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I'm pretty sure you have to say AJ in the game. AJ Gale, I believe. Um, mm-hmm. and he is returning home to Kirat to spread his mother's ashes. We have Sabal, who is one of the Golden Path fighters. We have Amida, who is the leader of the Golden Path. Um, and throughout the game, you'll have to choose, like, who do you want to help? Pagan Min, of course. Antagonist. Tyrant of the region. A lot of people at least liked him initially because he was so, like, colorful and flamboyant. Um, and kind of in that same line as, like, Voss, right? Uh, and then, of course, there are various other characters. You have CIA agents, which is a callback to three. You have Herc. Um, and in this game, you have to take out pagan men's lieutenants in order to unlock certain regions, which, of course, is very similar to Far Cry 5. So the game starts with Ajay on a bus. He's returning to kind of fulfill his mother's like last wish. Um, and of course, you know, it wouldn't be a Far Cry game if you weren't immediately interrupted, um, by the, by the antagonist. Pagan Min appears in a very dramatic fashion. I won't spoil that. Um, but he's kind of set up as this, what would you say? Like a, a maniac? Like he's a fashionable maniac, but there's something that's like a little off about the guy, right? Yeah, um, absolutely. Like, yeah, I, I don't want to like, I, I'm thinking of these like terms that we throw around that are like actual di- diagnoses. So I don't want to say that. But, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he seems, he, he seems That's to fair. have some serious mental health issues. <laughs> yeah. Sure. Um, but, but due to Pagan, you're, you're unable to leave. And instead, of course, you get involved in the Golden Path, which is a rebel group that's trying to overthrow Pagan men. Um, and at this point in the story, Pagan Min, or Pagan Min, <laughs> the Golden <laughs> Path is really struggling to kind of hold on at this point. So again, you're kind of the savior. And I feel like Ubisoft's answer to the third game was, well, but you're from Kirat, so it's right. okay. And it's like, kind of, sort of, not really. <laughs> um, but you give the Golden Path a fighting chance. So... Um, the savior narrative is kind of present. Uh, now beyond the conflict between pagan men's forces and, and the golden path, there is also this internal conflict among the golden path. So that's where this element of choice is kind of reintroduced and that's where it mostly plays out. So as Ajay, you have to decide, are you going to be loyal to Sabal, who is a traditionalist, or are you going to be loyal to Amida, who is a more progressive minded person? And amidst that, you have to take out Pagan Min's forces, his various lieutenants, and then, of course, ultimately confront Pagan Min. Now, depending on your choices, there will be a slightly different, like, ending, right? So I think technically the game has three endings. Um, remember the buzz when this game first came out? People were like, oh, my God, you can beat it in the first 15 minutes. <laughs> and that, people were yeah. so excited about that. Um, I still don't I, have that trophy. I'm so mad about it. I keep what? thinking, like, I'm going to go back and get that trophy. Oh, my God. I never did, but it's, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so you have to. If you haven't heard, listener, listen, well, are you going to go through that? I don't want to take it away. but You can you can share the, that ending, yeah. Go so, for it. yeah, or very early in the game, you have a, a meeting with pagan men, and he says, wait right here, and I'll get you what you need, or something like that. And he leaves, and... 
the game doesn't really direct you. And so literally you could just wait right there. And if you wait mm-hmm. there for 15 minutes or whatever it is, he literally comes back and says, okay, now we're going to take a helicopter to go spread yeah. your mother's out. And that's it. That's the end of that's your whole ultimate <laughs> that's goal. The end. Yeah. But like when you're sitting there, you feel because of game literacy that you're used to is like, yeah. I'm supposed to do something like nothing's happening. I'm supposed to. And so then you, you leave and that's like, then you start getting attacked and it's like, oh, you, yep. you refused my offer. It's so it's a cool decision. <laughs> and it like generated it a lot it of is. buzz, like you said. And you can only do it once. Yeah. Never again. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Although there's something similar in Far Cry 6, isn't there? Um, kind, kind of. of. Yeah. 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 Kind, kind yeah, of. There's we'll, we'll the secret there. ending. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, But okay, as for the official endings, so your choices will determine if Kirat's future is bad or bad because (laughs) (laughs) there's no winning, um, which feels like a carryover from Far Cry 2. If you side with Amida, Kirat becomes this nation dependent on drugs and labor, so that's not great. If you side with Sabal, the country descends into this like patriarchal traditionalist rule where women are denied political rights and religion is elevated. Also not great. So even though you kill pagan men, the Golden Path's leaders do little to correct the region's future in any like meaningful way. So you're kind of left with like, oh, great. (laughs) Very similar to Far Cry 2, but (sighs) Far Cry 2, like from point A to point B at the end is all negative. Far Cry 4 doesn't feel that way, but the end kind of left me feeling like, mm. there's again, there's no winning. Um, the goal, of course, is the same as always. Fight the bad guys, take out, um, take over, rather, outposts, gain experience, grab new weapons. So the RPG stuff, you know, is still there. Blow shit up. Uh, Far Cry 4 does include, I think, some more role-playing elements. There are two skill trees, so you have... It was the elephant elephant and the tiger, right? So I think the elephant was like defensive skills, strength and healing. Tiger was um, offensive skills, takedowns, various moves. You know, oh, you get to reload your gun while running, things like that. Um, One of my favorite additions to the game was the uh, propaganda posters, which are collectible items. I have a thing about (laughs) propaganda in video games. (laughs) Um, If we compare Far Cry 4's map to Far Cry 3, it's roughly the same size. Did you know that? Oh, I did not. Yeah. But there's more stuff packed in to see and do. Mm. And that we see that Ubisoft move. (laughs) Right. Yeah, exactly. I was going to say, like, we see it becoming more and more like the Ubisoft that we're used to. Mm-hmm. I am so interested in the white savior thing because when you first said that, I thought, oh, that's interesting because they sort of tried to course correct for that, right? Because as you said, it's Presumably, like a local. Yeah. But what, rem, just, it's been a while since I played this game, haven't revisited it yet. But like mm-hmm. one of the complaints about the game was that Ajay was like not a real character. It was sort yeah. of like a silent protagonist, like project your own mm-hmm. psyche onto him. And so then I was like, oh, that makes sense. Like you said, it's, it doesn't. In theory, on paper, it doesn't look like a white savior narrative, but because Audrey right. doesn't really get a lot of his own personality or characteristics, it still kind of is because I'm Ajay. Like, I know, technically speaking, yes, I'm playing right. this character, but I get so little. But it's also for... American. Oh, yeah, that's right. I forgot about so, that. So yeah. uh, it's like they did that to make you more comfortable as the play. I don't know. Right. Don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then it's it'll be interesting when we get to five and six because I feel like then we see two other 
attempts at course correcting or trying to make a narrative that's less problematic or, you know, better balanced and, and yeah, yeah, we'll get to those. But yeah, I think Mm -hmm. that's super interesting. Yeah. And I want to go back to the environment real quick. So the environments are more, or the locations, I guess, are in the regions are more varied in Far Cry 4. So my theory is that Far Cry 4 was a testing ground in some ways. It it kind of feels like Ubisoft was pretty confident in their abilities to make a solid world with interesting environments and locations while playing with more verticality than in previous games. Um, another kind of build upon thing or connection um we have a carryover from far cry 3 which is the inclusion of like the dreamlike sequences um we have the shang shangri-la missions which bring a colorful filter to the world and i don't know how you felt about it some players loved it some players hated it i noticed that it's one of those things where people kind of like ding far cry 4 because they're like I love the game. And then I was pulled into the Shangri-La and I felt that it was boring. Um, and there's a little bit of that in Far Cry 5 as well. Now, question. Do you remember the outcry regarding this game before it launched? Before it launched? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think so. I mean, I okay. probably will when you remind me. But So... This seems like a distant memory to me in light of people's reactions to Far Cry 5's cover art. <laughs> People did not react well to Pagan Min because oh. on the cover, he looks white. The oh, character yeah. is not, but he looks white and he's resting his hand on a person with darker skin. Oh, yeah. Okay. So some people thought it was racist. Um, I looked back at the coverage of this and found an article where Alex Hutchinson, the game director, said, um, quote, it's funny when there's one picture out there and there are so many articles jumping to conclusions. It would have been interesting for someone to ring us up. That would have been cool for someone to say, hello, we think this. What's actually happening? The director lamented, um, end quote. So it's interesting to me how developers are sometimes so shocked by how their work is interpreted as if they couldn't have predicted people's reactions of having a person with lighter skin showing dominance over a person with darker skin. Like they spend a lot of money on this shit and no one thought to be like, could this appear to be racist? I mean, you know, (laughs) so, so, so take that, right. And think about what they intentionally did with Far Cry 5's cover art and the, the, promotional material they knew exactly what they were doing there right um they they were like oh this causes controversy but it brings people's attention so let's have the last supper for far cry 5 but you can't tell me that wasn't intentional and building off of the response from four yeah and it's like further frustrating because like okay so i get what he's saying like if they would have been if someone would have reached out they would have explained things I, i get that but like before I moved to, to that five cover art, I mm-hmm. think that it it can be racist in a productive way, if that makes sense. If you're trying to comment on a white power coming into an area mm-hmm. of darker people and taking over and being maniacal right. and, you know, exploiting the local community, that can be what you're trying to comment on. But it wasn't. And so... Well, here's what made it worse. So this is a direct quote 
from the same article, and this is Hutchinson again, okay? He says, I was surprised by how people, by, by how quick people were to go that direction. I think it's actually cool at the moment that inclusivity and breadth of character and everything are an issue in games, as I do think that's something we need to do a better job of. We need to go that way. But I think Ubisoft as a company has a pretty good history of doing unusual characters. The last game I directed, Assassin's Creed 3, had a Native American lead character voiced by a Native American actor. At the same time, we had, um, is it Eveline? Eveline? In Assassin's Creed Liberation, who was a Creole character. And in the past, we've had Italian characters, and now there's a French guy. We actually have a pretty diverse list overall, end quote. Okay. Nice deflection there, because I'm not buying this idea that Ubisoft is good at inclusion when in Far Cry 4, Pagan Min, a not-white character, is played by Troy Baker. Right. Like, how do you... <laughs> and, yeah, I, and that's the thing, is I would argue that he should have been white. You know what I mean? Like, inclusion doesn't always mean, well, it just has to be someone who's from a minority group. You know what I mean? Like, mm. it's how that character is represented. So It's how the stories are told, too. Like, right. <sighs> And it, again, I think it would have been more powerful to say a white person, like, let's just make up like some powerful businessman whose father was a, a emerald mine magnate, um, or who I just, just a fictional character. Yeah, it's just um, fictional. and that person decided this charismatic person decided <laughs> that I want to go into the small nation and I have ultimate power here because I have so much money and so many, like I can control the politics. That would be a commentary on like mm. white power and imperialism and that would that would be so interesting but to be like no 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 let's be inclusive and make him not white like he kind of looks white but he's not white he's a local right yeah except he's not played by you know what i mean so i think i will give ubisoft credit i do think that they have done a lot they do have like when we point to characters from minority groups ubisoft comes up again and again we have the native american and the creole characters the we have an, you know, South Amer South Asian, uh, we have a South Asian character. We have a Cuban character. They, they do create characters that are representative of groups that are not typically represented, but they're also frustratingly sensitive when people push back and say, good, now do better. And so like, I right. think not I can see people, enough. right, exactly. Like people are quick to judge and there's, there's a lot of really harsh criticism. I get that, but, but sometimes that's needed. It is because it's nothing, neat. you know, and that's how we got to where we are, where we're starting to make these inclusive characters as people speaking out and saying, mm -hmm. and so, yeah, I get it. Sometimes the criticism, criticism can be harsh. Sometimes it doesn't give you the credit you deserve, but it is necessary. And it is how we've got to Far Cry 6, which is probably, we'll get there, mm -hmm. but probably like the best in terms of representation. But even then there's, <laughs> you know, we need to have someone willing to say, Yes, but you know what I mean? Like, yeah, you did a good job, but it could be better. And so I hate how sensitive yeah. they get and how defensive oh, they yeah. get. And it's like, and with Far Cry 5, which I know we're segueing to right now, <laughs> how they pulled that fucking bullshit of like, well, our, our games aren't political. It's like, <sighs> but they can be. And you're trying to make them political and they're political when it's convenient to you. When you can say, oh, look at our diverse characters. Look how, you know, exactly. we're, we're trying to be inclusive and everything. And so you're fine with that. But then the minute that someone's like, yes, but also you could have done this mm -hmm. better. You're like, oh, well, geez. I mean, but look at all these characters. We what made. do you so want from like, us? Yeah. Uh, I just just yeah. be willing to have a real conversation with the. Yeah. 
Otherwise, mm. I'm going to call it what it is, which is bullshit. But yeah. Far Cry 5. <laughs> I, will, so, I will say, so I, I just want to throw it since <laughs> yeah. now this is where I've played them. I did really like Far Cry 4. I loved the environments like we were talking about. It's just so beautiful. I didn't mm-hmm. mind so much the drug stuff. Like it was yeah. fun. It was interesting. Um, but I did. I liked the story for the most part. And I just, again, I think it, for, uh, for me, I liked that the the pace of the game and like the rhythm of the uh, the rhythm of the game is what I'm talking about. Like mm-hmm. I like moving from tower to tower. I liked having to figure out e- each tower was a new puzzle. How do I climb this? You know, I can see where I'm where I can grab, but how the fuck do I get over there? Oh, I have to knock this board down. And, you know, I, I like that kind of stuff. I liked clearing outposts. I thought that was really fun. So, yeah, I was a Far Cry convert when I played Far Cry 4. So, yeah, I was really excited for Far Cry 5. Yeah. So Far Cry 5 um, came out in 2018. So every game up until this point was exclusively developed, besides the first one, of course, by Ubisoft Montreal. Far Cry 5 was developed by Ubisoft Montreal and then Ubisoft Toronto. And what they did was then for six, I think they fully handed it off to Ubisoft Toronto. So they had kind of like a here we work together and then you take the thing. So four years after the release of Far Cry 4, Far Cry 5 launched to much anticipation. Um, Far Cry 5 was aggressively marketed, immediately captured people's interest due to it being set in the US. There were religious and cult-like elements teased. Teased doesn't even seem fair because it was aggressive. Like, (laughs) we're going to seep you in uh, the the religious stuff. Um, But yeah, that was very prevalent in the promotional material. And Ubisoft released promotional videos. They came out with a book. There was a short film on Amazon for a time. It was shitty. Um, They were (laughs) out to sell this game, though. And of course, the Last Supper-inspired cover art drew a lot of attention, and it inspired people, and it provoked people. And all of that led to Far Cry 5's commercial success. In its first week, it made over $310 million. Damn. Don't tell me that video games are some niche thing. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Yeah. So setting. Game is set in Hope County, Montana, a fictional region of the U.S. Within this region, you have beautiful lakes and rivers and fields and farms and woods and mountains. Um, I thought it was, I think it is a pretty cool location. I know that some Far Cry fans were disappointed because Montana isn't vibrant and tropical or some far off location. Um, maybe it's just because I grew up in the Midwest and I, I love the woods, but I appreciated having a game set in America and in an area that isn't frequently, um, visited in video games. I mean, can you think of another game that features Montana? I, I can't. Um, Montana Jack for the SNES. I'm just making that up. I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> you would have sold me. I would have believed you. Damn. Okay. <laughs> Montana Jack. <laughs> that does sound like an SNES game. Um, as for our characters, uh, we have an unnamed protagonist who is a deputy, and Ubisoft, the um, center of diversity and inclusion, let you choose a male, quote unquote, or a female, quote unquote, silhouette. So there you go. Um, there are a number of supporting characters like Dutch and Tracy and Mary May. There's a whole cast of characters that represent the town of Falls End, um, the Resistance and the Sheriff's Department. 
Joseph Seed, the father, is our main bad guy. He's the leader of the Seed family. John Seed, Jacob Seed, Faith Seed are all members of the family, and they are the lieutenants that you have to deal with in order to get to the father. Um, you have various guns for hire. I really liked what they did with the guns for hire here. Um, Boomer, my personal favorite. You have Nick Rye, Grace Armstrong, Cheeseburger, Peaches. Um, as for the like conflict, you're this again, faceless, <laughs> unnamed deputy who is part of a joint operation uh, between the Hope County's Sheriff's Department and the, it was the U.S. Marshals, I think. Um, and your goal was to go in and arrest Joseph Seed on charges of kidnapping because the people of Falls End are like, yo, you're taking everyone out of the town. My my child is missing. My my nephew is missing. Where are they? So obviously there there's a problem here. So you're immediately thrust into this like high stakes moment. And of course, per typical Far Cry fashion, everything goes to shit immediately. You're left stranded in the county. You're separated from the, the U.S. Marshals and the like other deputies and the sheriff. Um, and apparently, yet again, you are the only one capable of organizing people together and going after the bad guy. Um, on your journey, you're, you're going to free captives. You'll go up against Seed, um, Seed's followers. You'll help your allies. You're going to, you know, reclaim Hope County for the people, uh, you know, freedom and eagles and all that. Uh, once you've taken town John and Jacob and Faith, you'll have this final showdown with Joseph. Now, during this final showdown, you can walk away. You can leave it to, other people to arrest Joseph, or you can fight back, you can free your friends. And if you do, you're going to witness a, a nuclear bomb go off. Now in that ending, Joseph will actually like save you. He'll drag you away into a bunker and he'll have this really creepy line where he's like, you're my family now. Um, and th <laughs> that ending is what you. sets. Yeah. <laughs> he gives you a little medallion. Um, <laughs> that ending is what sets players up for Far Cry New Dawn. Um, Far Cry 5 also has a secret ending. Um, which we'll, we'll keep a secret. Yeah. 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 We'll keep a secret. Just think Sesame Street. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just going to make it something completely random. <laughs> so people say, yeah. are like, people what? Are, I got to play this game. <laughs> <laughs> um, one very notable difference in this game was the silent protagonist, um, which frankly, I still find baffling. Um, insert the nobody liked that meme. I don't think very many people liked it at all, especially since, again, okay, so you RPG elements, right? You get to choose a male or a female protagonist, but then they didn't do anything to make that protagonist come to life in any meaningful way. Like, oh, you get to change out of some cowboy boots. Like, come on. Um, very similar to Far Cry 4 with the addition of, um, uh, Far Cry Arcade uh, and smaller things like, uh, you know, fishing and the resistance meter. So those, it's it's similar, but there are some new stuff baked in. Um, the resistance meter is is kind of like the, is it just called the star system in GTA? Is that just, I think so, is there yeah. a name for it? Okay, yeah. Far Cry wanted 5's level. map. Wanted level, yeah. yeah. Uh, the map is bigger. The game is designed to make it feel more more open than previous games, which also I think pairs nicely with, well, hey, it's Montana. Um, 
in there was this one article that I found. Uh, it's a Vice article by Austin by Austin Walker, um, and it also featured I think Dan Hay, uh, the game the the game's creative director. So they referred to Far Cry Five as quote an anecdote factory. Huh. It's a Far Cry game. You're gonna be able to go in it's it's going to be an anecdote factory you have a whole bunch of stuff to do you can play it however you want to play it and you can assemble the story as a choose your own adventure end quote i don't know that that's entirely accurate because the narrative is still a strong narrative like you and i experience the same story we right. might go to do different like side missions at different times and whatnot um but i, I don't know that i'd necessarily call it a choose your own adventure like i think Presenting it that way is that sort of like stumble that game developers do, which is you're going to have options. And then like there aren't really options or the options aren't really meaningful. Um, now with Far Cry 5, because it is a bigger map, there's a ton of shit packed into it. So very much like what you would expect from a Ubisoft game today. Um which again, you know, we can talk about like, maybe it doesn't matter. Like if you want to participate in those side things, then you can. If you don't, you're not required to, right? Um, but yeah, the game pretty much opens up into the open world from the very beginning. You do start in this sort of like uh, tutorial area where you're on Dutch's like little island with the bunker. And then you're like, whoa, big, bigger world beyond that. Um yeah, it, it, it's it's more Far Cry. I don't know that there's much about this that's like starkly unique or different from Far Cry 4. It's like same formula, couple of additional things. I think the biggest difference, though, of course, is the, the protagonist isn't really a purse. Like, there's no character there. Um, as for uh, fun facts... One of the things that annoyed the heck out of me, you already mentioned this, was that <laughs> Ubisoft insisted that Far Cry 5 was not a political game. Uh -huh. However, that, that same Vice article, okay, Hayes said this, quote, it's about the state of the world right now, where everything feels like it's a little bit closer to the edge than it should be, and that maybe we need to take a step back. Maybe there's a moment where we need to think, end quote. So yeah, the, the game isn't political. It's super vague, right? I, it's so fucking political. And I, again, my complaint is not about the game. It's about how Ubisoft talked about it because I'm it's everything around the game, right? Like uh, there, there was a, a call there. It's funny because we had two different camps. You had the people that were like, it's too political because it was American. You know what I mean? And people were uncomfortable with criticism yeah. of American culture. It's fine when it's oh, a culture no. that I don't know anything about. Also, we're know. killing white people, <gasps> right? That, that bothered the shit out of me. There were people like known i'm not going to name names but like known video game <laughs> commentators and stuff like that who were who openly said i don't know how i feel about killing american citizens and yeah. that infuriate i should name names but i'm not going to you should but it fucking infuriated me because what you're saying then is you're okay with killing brown people in other countries you have no fucking qualms about that mm -hmm. but the minute that it's someone who looks like you how does that, how is that not a moment of self-reflection of like, oh, am because I fucking. Those people are citizens of some other country. Like think. And oh, yeah, God, it's it, so it, that bothered the shit out of me. But the other thing is that the game is political and there were complaints that it wasn't, wasn't political enough. Like it didn't lean hard enough. 
And I feel like the game leans pretty hard. It's that, again, Ubisoft claims that it doesn't. The, the game, yeah. I think, says we have these other games where we ask you to imagine in this fictional country, this third world country in another nation, another part of the world, has this charismatic person that comes in. And these poor old local people have no choice <laughs> but to like give in to the whims of them because they're so yeah. charismatic and they get this following and they get power that's untouched. And Far Cry 5 responds to that, the, the claim that like, well, that could never happen in America by saying, yes, it fucking could. And guess what? Yes, it fucking did. You know what I mean? Like that very thing of like a charismatic person who's actually pretty fucking incompetent ends up, you know, using religion, which <laughs> that's a big fucking commentary in the game is the power of of mm -hmm. using something like religion and ideology to bend people to your will because you convince them of something that you yourself know is not true, but they believe in so fervently that you can use them for political and, and, and social gain and all this stuff. And that's what the game is about. And so to say it's not political, number one, yes, it fucking is. But number two, that's an, that's an, an indictment of religion. It's an indictment of like iconic, not an iconography, but like, um, it's it's again it's critic it cr ended up criticizing something that happened almost in real time with release of the game mm -hmm. in America and so right. that is pretty powerful so like yeah you, it is fucking political and let it be political but more specifically it actually comments on the make america great movement because there was a fucking character with that hat who's like speaking of satire that the is side obvious. quest is called make hope county great again right so don't at me <laughs> yeah exactly yeah it's it, they openly comment on it at some point in development that stuff was happening and they were like let's put something in there so uh, yeah yeah sorry Tangent. okay so yeah, yeah no <laughs> my my final thoughts when when i played far cry 5 at launch i had a lot of fun there was a part of me that was disappointed, though, on a couple of different levels. Um, I was dissatisfied with the endings, and I thought that more could have been done with the cult angle. Mm -hmm. um, I, I want to talk about my disappointment with the endings first. So I've played Far Cry 5 three times now, and I, I've experienced all of the endings. What I find dissatisfying is that Far Cry 5 is yet another game that implies your decisions have weight, that they matter. So you go through all of this effort and all of this time to capture Joseph Seed and free the people of Hope County. But in the end, it doesn't fucking matter. So either the collapse happens and the bomb drops, or you're brainwashed and your efforts meant jack shit. Now, I don't need every game to make me feel like a hero um, in fact, I find that more and more problematic. <laughs> I certainly don't need every game to tie everything together in a neat little bow. But coming off of Far Cry 4, where Kirat is left in turmoil regardless of your decisions, it felt defeating and unsatisfying yet again. Now, in addition to that, I think that the narrative fails itself in several ways. So the narrative designers could have played up the 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 cult angle more and engaged with the cult on a deeper level. So one of the things Far Cry as um as a franchise does is it includes optional text throughout the game. 
right? So a number of video games do this. In Far Cry 5, you get some pretty interesting stories of like people who dealt with Eden's Gate and how they were approached by them. And there were rumors that they they heard about this cult and the interactions that they had with the, the, the people, the Peggies, right? Some of those notes were way more interesting than what I saw of Eden's Gate. Right. right. I think that some of those smaller narratives should have been brought more to the forefront so that players could really experience and see Eden's Gate as this manipulative force in Hope County. You know, it, it, it's one thing to show people strung up um, on poles and stuff and the, the end results of violent acts. But those are extreme examples that, frankly, <laughs> this is going to sound weird because they're extreme, but they weren't that shocking because right. they were just there, right? Um, they, they are rhetorical and they, they show the end result of something that was absolutely horrible. But part of what's so intriguing about cults is how they get to people, how they work their way in convincing people that they have something valuable to offer. Offer. And and cults, you know, they often separate people from their families and their friends. They they isolate their their members. I wanted to see more of that. I wanted to to hear and feel more of those things. Um, because without them, Eden's Gate is not really different from pagan men and his followers, or Voss and his pirates. So I thought it was a good idea, but I don't think it was necessarily executed and developed all that well. It didn't sell me on Eden's Gate being this unique group that was vastly different from the bad guys and their cohorts that we've seen throughout the franchise. Yeah, I think just even just one scene, I think would have gone really far because don't get me wrong. I love all of those things like the environmental storytelling Mm -hmm. and like throwing a bunch of lore in. Yeah, you know, notes and things like that. I love that kind of stuff because it is sort of like you can take it or leave it. The more you read and engage with, potentially the more immersed you become. I love that. But it also, because it wasn't forefronted, even in like that significant way, even just even again, just one really good scene, um, it made the cult feel like, again, just brain like just the most simplistic of tropes. So like, Oh, they're just mm-hmm. brainwashed people. Like, yep, you know, this it. guy's so charismatic. They just follow him, whatever he says. <laughs> but, but I like, because like you said, some of those notes get into how I don't remember the specifics, but I remember some of them being like, this person was sort of on the fringe and mm-hmm. they recognized that. So they took advantage of it. So they started coming and being like inviting them to the, the local whatever. And, and again, it really shows how cults work and how, not even just cults, because I think that's they sort of get away with cults, but just sometimes people, how people work. You know what I yeah, mean? Because the manipulation and right, some of the political stuff that we've seen in the last ten years has not been cults. It might be cult-like. You could argue that it's a cult, but it's not. It's again, it's manipulation, it's rhetoric, it's all these things. So, yeah, just having one scene yeah. to give us a little bit of a. It just felt like a missed opportunity. But. Yeah. But yeah, that's that's pretty much what I have to say about Far Cry 5. Do you have any final thoughts before we switch to 6? I want to talk about the animals because yeah. like we're going to oh, yeah, at yeah, some yeah. point. So like we we didn't talk about it. it with 4, but you you alluded to this. One of my problems with the series. So I love that there are a lot of animals and that every new region has animals that are mostly native to that area. Sometimes they cheat a little bit, but like <laughs> I think that's awesome. It's uh, I, I just like seeing nature. And so the idea of mm-hmm. and this goes with Assassin's Creed too, like seeing like sharks and bears and crocodiles and everything. 
and they look amazing because uh, Ubisoft games normally look pretty close to the top of like graphical fidelity and stuff like that. So that's all great. There are two things that I don't like. Number one, I don't like that they basically require you to kill them in mm-hmm. like numbers. You know what I mean? And that can be done. You have to do it in Red Dead. I, st- I don't really like it in that either. But in Red Dead, it's a little bit more of a choice. Um, there are like legendary creatures that you can kill and sure. get like bonuses. But in Far Cry, a lot of times you're required to kill them to upgrade essential components. You know what I mean? Like how much ammo you can carry, your pouches and things like that. So I don't require that that it requires a lot of killing because I'm one of those sappy people who I don't like killing animals in games. The other thing is I wish that the AI for the animals was more realistic because what they make it out is that all animals are bad. All animals are going to attack you. I wish they were more, to use their word, dynamic. So (laughs) this animal that I come across, regardless of whether or not it's a predator or not, might be skittish. So I, I might spook a bear and that bear might run because that happens in real life. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Not every bear is going to see me and immediately want to fucking chew my head off. But in Far Cry, they do. If it's a, especially if it's a predator animal and it sees you, it's, it's like an enemy combatant. It's going to fucking come for you and try to kill you. I want to see more dynamic animal AI. Make it so that if an animal attacks me, yeah, I might have to defend myself and kill it and I'll feel bad. But that's just because this particular animal was desperate or you know whatever irritated or something like that or was being defensive but i might come across a predator animal that's well fed and not particularly skittish and so they're gonna you know maybe check me out and like watch me a little bit and see what i do Uh, maybe they'll be curious like they haven't upgraded their animal ai from what i can tell that's not a priority for them. I want that. That's going to make the world feel more realistic, make, mm-hmm. make it more. And it, and it makes my experience and interaction with what the wildlife, this beautiful natural environment that you create more realistic and more enjoyable. So mm-hmm. please Ubisoft, if you're listening, <laughs> do that. Yes. <laughs> um, and the other thing is the, so far cry five was the first one with dedicated like partners, right? I don't remember yeah. if you did the, you had them in four. I don't think you did. Well, okay, hold on. Are, were they still considered guns for hire, though? Oh, maybe that's what it was. Was you can like yeah. call them in, mm-hmm. but in Far Cry Five, you can actually they they come with they you. They could stay. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Who was your Who was your favorite? Boom boom, boomer. Boom, boom, boomer. Yeah. Okay. The yeah. Little Sorry, dog. it's boom boom in uh, Far Cry Six. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Uh, yeah, um, the dog and I liked Grace. Grace was the sniper, right? Yes. Oh, yeah. who was um the archer? She was pretty good too. Wasn't uh, it Jess? Jess? Yeah. Yeah, she yeah, was my those favorite. Those are my top three. Yeah. Because if I had my way, every game would have romance, and if it did, <laughs> I would romance Jess for sure. Yeah. Um, she's a little out there, but she's, she's cool. and plus she matched my play style, which was like very bow heavy, silent. You know, just. I love that idea and the sound effects of the bow were so great of just like, you know, being in the foliage and just and like just (laughs) sticks into their head and it's, oh man. So yeah, she was my favorite. I did like, what was the panther's name? I don't remember the panther. Was that Peaches? That was Peaches. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, And then Cheeseburger, Cheeseburger the Bear. He's adorable. He's adorable, but he... He's not useful, but he's adorable. He gets me into trouble. (laughs) And we'll get to a character in Far Cry 6 that does that too, Mm. but like... It's mm-hmm. so hard because you're like, I want to be stealthy. And this this thing is like, fuck that. Let's go. Leroy Jenkins. 
But the thing is, like, it would get overwhelmed and it would get killed. And I'd be like, cheeseburger, see what you got yourself yeah, into. Yeah, god damn it. <laughs> um, so I think it's just your, but I like that. Like, it, it, your play style, if that's your play style of just running in and just shooting shit, oh, yeah. cheeseburger is perfect for you. So, mm-hmm. so I yeah. did like that. But yeah, Jess was my girl. Um, like you said, I liked, uh, you just said her name, the sniper. Grace. Grace as well, because same thing. We could mm-hmm. both be stealthy and she would, you know, sometimes she would act without me saying anything, mm-hmm. which sometimes was good. And sometimes I'm like, hey, <laughs> I want to get that kill. But um, but yeah, I, I liked the, you know, that part of it, too. So overall, I liked I liked five. I, I thought five keeps growing on me. Yeah. Like the further I get from all the discourse and just play the game for the game, like I really like the vibes, you know, like I obviously I just listed all my complaints, but like I like the world. And and I think to, to go back to that fatigue thing, which I think we can talk about at this point, like I think that's what bothered me is it's where you see the discord between critical consensus and popular thought. Because critical critical consensus, one of the flaws in the way that we do things now is that reviewers are the people who, you, like, of course you're going to get the person who's played Far Cry 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, or whatever to play Far Cry 6 for a review. Mm-hmm. They have a knowledge of the series. They can say, this is what's changed. This is what's gotten better, what's gotten worse, whatever. The problem with that is that that person has had to play, has been required to play every Far Cry for the last however many six years or whatever the case is. And so, yeah, that person is more likely to have fatigue, especially when you're requiring them to play that game within a week because that's when they got the review copy. And so I can see why reviewer comments have have leaned in that direction. Mm-hmm. But, like, imagine someone going to the store, which I think is this is far more indicative of the type of person who's probably going to play a Far Cry 5, for example, and they're like, I want to play a game. Whoa, look at this cover art. How dynamic. Ubisoft wants them to say it is. Um, but they're like, oh, this looks interesting. And they buy it. And it's their first Far Cry, like Far Cry 4 was for me. They don't have any of the, that fatigue. And so mm-hmm. your critical criticism of it, that's not stupid, your criticism of it as a, as a, as a reviewer is going to be very different than the average person's experience. And I can see the average person being like, a 78 you know what i mean like how is this game a c plus you know it's it excels in so many areas not that there's nothing to criticize it about for sure but i think every time a new ubisoft game comes out mostly assassin's creed and far cry and i hear people say stuff like that it's like oh it's the same thing over and over i think of all the other examples of that that of, of games that do that and the series that do that and they don't get criticized and i'm like it seems so unfair to the series so i I understand on a personal level how you might be quote unquote tired of the Ubisoft formula. I get mm-hmm. that. But I don't think it's fair to hold the game to those standards when that's your own personal feelings. To say that it's a flawed game because I'm tired of the formula feels unfair to me. So, Right. Yeah. But th- that's true of any <laughs> any franchise, right? Yeah. Like, exactly. Yeah. But I don't think it's a an issue that we'll see ever go away. Like right. the longer that these franchises just keep growing, like it's, it's going to be a constant yeah. problem. For sure. Yeah. But all right. Far Cry 6. Far Cry 6. Take us all home. Right. Far Cry 6 released in 2021. I waited with much anticipation. 
Um, this is the Far Cry that was handed off to Ubisoft Toronto. So we've seen a, a switch there with development. Um, in many ways, I think that Far Cry 6 feels like a direct response to Far Cry 5's supposed lack of political commentary because Far Cry 6 throws you right into political conflict that has resulted in war. There's no denying it. <laughs> um, the game is inspired by revolutions such as the 1950s um, Cuban Revolution and it the game comments on fascism, imperialism, democracy. Uh, so you, you, there's no denying it and I don't think they really tried to this time. Um, but I also don't think people were asking as many questions with this one because the cover was actually a pretty boring cover. <laughs> um, some of the, the steel cases look, look nice, but anyways, uh, this game is also notable because it calls back to earlier games such as Far Cry and Far Cry 3's tropical settings. We have the return. Praise be whoever decided this. Uh, we have the return of voiced protagonists, um, which of course we had in Far Cry 3 and Far Cry 4, um, and was notably absent from Far Cry 5. This time around, we have a fictional island of Yara, which is set in the Caribbean, and it is partially modeled off of Cuba, but of course not entirely. Uh, this location is, I believe, the largest map world presented to us yet. Um, I think I read that Far Cry 6's map is something like three times as big as Far Cry 5. Damn. Holy shit. I'm not sure that we necessarily need to keep going bigger and bigger, <laughs> but damn. Isn't that funny now to think of like Far Cry and Far Cry 2 and how they're like, the map is so big. <laughs> it's probably a little speck. It's a corner. It's a postage stamp on a package. Exactly. It's <laughs> <laughs> but but that is one thing though that like I I don't like when games use that as a marketing point either though because they're just talking about what like, does it square mean? footage right uh, so much of Far Cry Six is water which I don't mind I love water but there's not really point, much Joey. to do in that water you know what I mean <laughs> yeah, like, yeah yeah in some games they do offer that like in the Assassin's Creed games they make a point to have like ruins and ship yeah. battles and stuff like that but it's still I don't personally count that as being as yeah. Sure. As a able to be explored and, you know, and, mm -hmm. and experienced as the land-based stuff. So Yes, yes. Um, let me think. I think that's good for the uh, the contextual stuff. With our characters, we have um, Danny Rojas. So the, your protagonist can be, again, male or female. Um, Danny is a Yaren rebel, a former military um and basically is seeking to free Yaren society from fascism. Our bad guy is El Presidente Anton Castillo, uh, his son Diego, uh, of course, set up to be his successor. Uh, we have a wide cast of allied characters. I didn't write them all down, but we have um, Clara Garcia, Juan Cortez, Carlos Montero. Uh, there's Talia and Paulo and so on. Um, we have amigos this this go around. So we have Chicaron, Chorizo, uh, Guapo, Boom Boom, Matago is back. <laughs> I fucking love Boomer, man. Um, with the the plot, it's present day. Yara is this isolated island. Its economy has been suffering and El Presidente has been elected. He's promised, of course, to, you know, solve all of uh, Yaren's uh, woes. 
Um, and he's his whole like campaign was like, I'm going to turn Yara into this prosperous nation, right? In reality, though, he's working people to the bone, he's killing anyone that opposes him, and he's ruling through fear and force. So again, we have the tyrant. Um, Danny is working with members of Libertad, the Guerrilla uh, uh, movement, um, and you have to fight with your allies to overthrow Anton. You have to like earn people's trust and it kind of goes by like the region of uh of the map um there of course are a number of plot points i I don't want to spoil i feel like if if any listeners are going to play a far cry game i mean they'd probably go with the newest one um ultimately of course similar pattern of defeat the lieutenants free the region go into outposts unlock the map um you ultimately confront anton um and he is overthrown so spoiler i guess um the the future is is a bit brighter so it's it's not i i didn't find it as disappointing um i'd like to hear from you on that but um there's also that like secret ending um where you can just leave you just peace out yeah <laughs> uh of course if you do that you did nothing good and you just are chilling on the beach in Miami while, you know, El Presidente takes control of Yara. But yeah. So, but I do want to comment on that because yeah. it is sort of interesting because Danny, it ties into what we were talking about before with the protagonists where mm-hmm. with Far Cry 4 and 5 in particular, they are silent. So even in Far Cry 4, it's not a silent protagonist per se, but again, very little character characterizing yeah, of the, yeah. you know, and so, like, it's basically a character you can project yourself onto. Mm-hmm. Far Cry 4, definitely so. Far Cry 5, or, far, sorry, Far Cry 5, and then Far Cry 6, they heard the criticisms and they were like, all right, mm-hmm. we need to make Danny their own character. And and Danny was unique. Right, yeah, and I, I like Danny. And it also ties into the whole thing about, like, the white savior thing of, like, these people are inept, they can't do anything. No. In Far Cry 6, mm-hmm. you're coming into a movement that at first doesn't even really appreciate you. Mm-hmm. I can't tell you like the number of times where like I, I come in and I'm thinking people are going to be like, oh, thank God you're here. We need help. And they're yeah. like, no, they're like, get the fuck out of here. Like, they would say yeah. stuff like, oh, you think you're a hero? Like- right. And I'm like, but I am, <laughs> sir. Like, <"Ugh." laughs> but, but I think, but your Danny, sorry, so you say I say your, but like Danny's motive yeah. at the beginning is to get out. Danny doesn't yes. want anything to do with this revolution. They want to go to Florida. That was their whole dream of like, can I get a boat to leave? Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, that's the point is like you get a boat. And do you do what the character wants, which is to go to leave? Now, there is a little bit of complication in there where they give you some things to complicate it. And Danny is sort of wavering a little bit. But yeah, you can take that boat and go north toward Miami because they they keep telling you too, like, oh, you just get in the boat. And then and yeah, that's when you can make that decision or. Do you go toward the coast, toward one of the mission markers and mm-hmm. get started? So, yeah, I yeah. thought that was a really... And that's where I was talking before about how you can see these threads of them responding to criticism of being mm-hmm. like, all right, well, here's our response to that. Um, so I thought that, yeah, that was pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, it was cool. Um, as far as like how it plays, it's very similar to Far Cry 5. You have, again, a variety of weapons at your disposal. There is the addition of resolver weapons, which are tied to perks. And then you have the Supremo backpacks, which let you do things like 
fire missiles and fire an EMP burst and things like that. The game also has a rank system. So you rank up over time and the, the map is divided into these ranked regions. Enemies, of course, get harder the higher your rank. So we have RPG elements. Uh, you also have access to several camps in the game. And each of those camps have facilities that you can level up. And when you level them, you get access to different resources, which I, I like that. I like having like home bases and stuff. Um, yeah. There's... I guess nothing too unique about those features being added to the game. I mean, like those features exist in other games. So it wasn't like, oh my God, this is revolutionary. But for Far Cry, it did help, I think, to spice things up a little bit. Um, I know that some people have referred to Far Cry 6 in particular as being like tired game design. Um but again, that goes back to the, the franchise fatigue thing. Far Cry 6 is a perfectly functional game. It works. Mm -hmm. If you don't like the formula, then it has nothing new to entice you, I don't think. If you love Far Cry, you get more Far Cry. Um, moving on to the, the, the funner facts. Uh, because of the emphasis on politics and fascism, this game has some excellent examples of propaganda. There are a number of posters and billboards in the game that show like Anton um, interacting with, you know, the, the civilians and working on a car, standing in a field of farmers, big smiles on their faces and strong, confident postures um, is really interesting stuff to look at. And that's some of the the, the prints that I have in my office, because I think that they're interesting examples. Um, Far Cry 6 is colorful. Uh, I love the return to like an island setting. It Again, it felt like a nod to the original Far Cry and, and to Far Cry 3. Uh, it's action packed. There's a ton of stuff to do. It's very fun to play. Um, I, I think the narrative can get a little predictable at times, but there were some moments that I won't spoil where I was like, oh my God. And I was like, I can't wait for Joey to experience this. Yeah. And we're going to be angry together. <laughs> we're going to feel the things. Um, but what I will say about the narrative is that I wasn't left with that same level of dissatisfaction that I felt after beating Far Cry 4 and Far Cry 5. Yeah, for sure. I, I, I thought they did. They have come a long way. And again, I think it shows. And I think it's part of what frustrates me about the previous ones where they were like, it's not political, it's not political, because yeah. they sort of tried to use it as a marketing point for this one to say, no, this one definitely is political. And they had a whole like behind the scenes video about how it, and on the one hand, again, great, but it, it just retroactively makes me frustrated to hear you to go back and look at Far Cry 5 and you being like, no, not at all. Not political. <laughs> Um, so it shows like the marketing, right? How the it's art and so that it should sort of speak for itself, but then you it's marketing. You have you have to have this marketing department that comes in and spins it and it's like just let it stand for itself. I really liked it. I had a great time with it. I still I like the formula and I have no problem with refinement. We've talked mm -hmm. about that before where oh, yeah. You don't have to invent something new every time. In fact, yes. that takes more time and money. Mm -hmm. And if you keep making your open worlds more immersive and believable and detailed, I'm, I'm a fan of that. Like at some point, I might want you to change it up, but, you know. But, you know, these games do not come out every year. Right. And there's no one else that does it quite like this. So keep keep refining. Just, you know. 
Um, and like you said, you don't have to like reinvent every single time. And in fact, when you do, you open up for disappointment and for stuff to fail, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, one of the things that I will say in just kind of like reflecting on the franchise as a whole is I do feel that the divide is deepening between open world playground and serious story. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know how to bridge that, but... I think it is becoming an issue in part because as a player, if you're saying to me by the design of the world, be free, go do what you want. But then I keep getting calls about like, hey, we need your help. Hey, we need to talk to you. What am I supposed to do? Like, <laughs> like it can only ever be sold so hard on my character as truly being a part of the world when I'm off doing fun shit and blowing stuff up. When there's people on the other end of the line being like, hey, this is life and death for us, you know? Yeah, that that's definitely there is definitely some some discord there. And I think for the most part, like I it's one of those things where it just feels separate. And maybe that's part of the complaint is that mm. when the story's going, I'm invested in it as the story. Yes. And it's a dark, serious political story. And when I'm out in the world, I'm like, whatever doing what i think it's because i'm trained on rpgs where the world is ending and oh my god everything we know yeah. is at risk and i'm like what i gotta go break five pots and grab certain medallions to you know what i mean Elden like i'm ring. used to <laughs> Elden ring actually yeah perfect yeah, uh, yeah. the final fantasy games the dragon quest games i'm used to there being two separate things the story which i might like for its own being its own thing yes. and then my exploration of the world which I'm able to be after much training over many years, able to sort of check out and say, Oh That's, yes, yeah. I take this, st- this story seriously, but I also mm-hmm. want to go try and see how far I can slide in far cry six because they added sliding and you can, <laughs> you can slide a ridiculous. It's so silly. It's like you're on rollerblades on your leg. It's when so you slide. Dumb. <laughs> um, but yeah, and I don't know what I want. I, I definitely see that there's like you said that there's a, a discord between those two things I don't know how to fix it because I want both things. I want a serious story that I can be like, ooh, this is making a commentary about power right. and all these things. And I want to be silly and have fun. You know what I mean? But part of it is just don't fucking deny it. You know what I mean? Like with Far Cry yes. 4 and 5 and be like, yes. eh, it's not, you know, because yeah. and and be more willing to use that as use your art, your storytelling as a venue for political commentary. Like yes. be willing Thank to you. do that. Yeah. <laughs> Um, companions, Chikarone, fucking the rooster, punk rock rooster. And that's a perfect example of how silly these games can be. The idea that this rooster is so badass that it can kill soldiers. So silly, so fucking dumb. Yeah. But I loved it. Not my companion of choice because similarly to cheese, maybe more so than cheeseburger, (laughs) El Chikarone like is going in for the, he fucked shit up. This stealth is not part of this rooster's vocabulary. In fact, nothing is because it doesn't speak English, but he just goes in and then the music plays and it's like, nee, nee, nee. and it's really fucking fun. Again, not my play style. So I was like, I'm not going to be clearing out a bunch of stuff. My play style. I'm so sad when we played and we've already talked about this in the past, so we won't get into too much detail. But like when we played, you mentioned you were like, I was like, who's your favorite companion so far? And you were ahead of me and you were like, well, I don't want to say I don't want to spoil it. And like, I wish I would have, but see, this is the thing is like, you don't know, you don't know to go do stuff. You know, mm-hmm. I wish I would have gotten this companion. I was using, um, Wapo for the most part, the crocodile mm-hmm. and I love Wapo, but he is 
dumb as shit. Like he got me in trouble so many times. He would try to be stealthy, but he's this like big lumbering oaf. So he'd like run into a mine and blow shit up. And I'm like, ah, Lapo. Or he'd get hit by a car. Like whatever the case is, like, he's getting in trouble. Yeah. But later on, you get the Panther. Mm-hmm. And I don't remember the name. Do you remember the name? Uh, of I do not. I'm forgetting the name. I, I got it so late in the game and I was like, I wish I had you early on. Cause again, it's my play style. She's really stealthy. Mm-hmm. And she like is magical in a way. Again, I, I don't want to spoil yeah, too much. Yeah, but, yeah. but if if you at <laughs> that sounds like a magical leopard or a magical like panther sounds cool to you. Look it up. Go look get it up. It. Go get it early. <laughs> um, because I, I wish I would have had it for the whole game. But um, but no, I really like Far Cry Six. I don't know what to feel about the whole. You know, to to sort of get to the wrap up here, like the the franchise fatigue thing Mm. at some point I feel like they're going to buckle to the pressure. I don't know that I want them to, because I feel like it's a damned if you do damned, if you don't, if they change up the formula drastically, people are going to be like, well, this isn't far cry. This is that's what I'm saying. Cause people even complained about the Supremo backpacks. It's like, but you know, you didn't really have to use them. So maybe don't complain about whatever. (laughs) Yeah. Well, that's, that gets into one of our things that we bring up all the time is like, I hate when people complain about optional things. If you don't have to use that mechanic or that feature or whatever it is, then that's who cares? You know what I mean? Then don't do it. Like the fact that they make it optional is a good thing because then people that do want to use that, they can. I don't use transportation in most of the games. I run around on foot, especially Far Cry, the game, the, the, the vehicle mechanics in Far Cry not the best, not, 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 not something they're known for. So I'm not driving around. I fly around. I do fly around. Even the helicopter piloting is very sloppy, but like I will fly around if it's like a really long distance. I prefer that to fast travel, but like horses and cars and things like that, I don't really use them, but I'm not going to complain about them because I don't have to use them. It's optional. Right. So I think that's part of it, too, is like with the whole map thing where people are like, ah, oh, the maps, all these things, all these oh, too much to do, too much to do. And my question is, how much do you have to do to play the game? A fraction of it. So why not just ignore that other stuff and let us who enjoy it, enjoy it? I like having all those icons. I when I love a game, I want to do more. But so it has this, to be the same, Joey. Because uh, that's my question is like, then <laughs> if we get rid of all that, quote unquote, bloat, as you like to call it, that some of us appreciate then we're going to we are going to have a smaller more streamlined game but for those people like us who love it we have less to do then and the game is over and now we have to wait 3 years for the next one it's like just if you want to mainline it mainline it don't complain about all that other stuff like mm-hmm. it's an option it's optional if, again if they forced you to do it like that was part of my complaint with the end of Assassin's Creed Valhalla mm-hmm is they start kind of forcing you to do stuff that is, it's like, mm, I'm kind of done and you seemingly kind of trick me. Then yeah, then that's a problem. But when it's optional, why would you complain about it? Just don't fucking do it. You know? So. Um, yeah. Fun times. <laughs> Fun times. But. All right. Well, is... let's, let's wrap this up. Yeah. I, I have like a final thing that I want to say. Okay. Okay. So I already mentioned the whole divide, the discord between like, the fun and games and like the narrative and all that. Um, I do hope that Ubisoft, and I will say this for all of their games, not just Far Cry. I do hope that Ubisoft continues on a path of cultural sensitivity. 
taking the time to really study and know an area and its people before including them in their games. I think they should hire people and pay people to consult, by Uh the way, not free labor. Um, I do kind of worry about the franchise's future because of its dependence on location. They sell many of their locations as something quote unquote other. And that presentation of location and culture often results in this like exoticizing, which is not necessary at all. Um, Location can certainly serve as character without othering, but of course that does require bringing in people that are actually in the know. Um, (laughs) I'd also like to see more significant choices, choices that really have an impact. Um, And I don't, I want to say I don't need every video game to be like heavy and serious, but if decisions are meant to matter, make sure that they matter, right? Um, Otherwise, just give us an open world with a linear story and sell it as such. That would be fine. Yeah. I, I, I don't mind quote unquote exotic locations. I think I'm fine with that being a part of the series. It's the exoticizing of the, right. It's the tourism of it. It's, it's, Ooh, what do we like about that location? Right. Like you said, why not allow, and like we were talking about the politics, allow the consultants who are from that area the ability to use this game. And I think they did a pretty good job of that with six. It's not perfect, but I think mm-hmm. they're moving in that direction. Yeah. Hire consultants to highlight what they think is important and interesting about their culture. And you're, you'll get richer, deeper, um, better stories. I think out of that, they, they than, would at the very least be more genuine. <laughs> right. Then like, Oh, let's yeah. go spend a month there and take pictures and be like, this is why we think it's beautiful as visitors. Like that's, mm-hmm. that's where you get into that problematic. Like here's our oh, interpretation yeah. of this culture. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you, you anticipated me asking you this. Uh, if you had to put them in order from your favorite to least favorite, what would you, what would you do? Oh God. Okay. <laughs> let me, let me, sc- and just the mainline games, just the mainline games. Yeah. Okay. Whew. <laughs> Mine's easy. I only, I've only played three of the mainland games. <laughs> I, only- played, I played New Dawn. <laughs> but yeah, uh, mine would be 654. I, I think I like six, them. 654? Yeah. Okay. Personally. Okay. This might change if you were to ask me tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> In which I will. No. Um, I think I would put five as my number one. Oh, shit. Then I would do six. Then I would do four. Wow. And then, man, when you get to five, six, four, three, two, one. Wow. I really thought three was going to be higher. But, but bro, the, the more I think about the the bad, I'm like, ugh. <laughs> ugh. If, I, yeah. if you would just say play experience, I would probably have three as number one or two. But when I consider the narrative and like the icky stuff, I'm like, I can't, (laughs) I can't. Yeah. So the nostalgia would bump it up. Like if it was pure, here's my fuzzy feelings of when Mm -hmm. I was there, it'd probably be in top, top three. Absolutely. Um, Yeah. And I, well, I think that's fair too, isn't it? And that's what makes it hard about when we talk about games aging, part of what we're talking about is the technology and the mechanics and like gameplay design has come a long way. So Mm -hmm. the game doesn't feel good anymore. And part of it is that cultural part of it is like part of it's the awareness <laughs> yeah i've i've had that with a bunch of old movies and stuff i watch them and i'm like oh i'm so excited to go revisit. i love this movie as a kid yep. like, shit 
and it's still fun and it's still you know kindle it, it rekindles that nostalgic warm feeling mm -hmm. but i can't then be like it's a great movie i can say i love it yeah. it's a part of my life but mm -hmm. i can't be like oh man after all these years it's great because no it's objectifying yeah. women in a really bad way or whatever it is you know so right yeah um, exactly. but no i i love the far cry series i guess last thing what do you want from the next far cry game location do you have an, an ideal location i know we just talked about oh, how that can be problematic but I feel like in terms of location, your big want was Egypt, and they did that yes. in the Assassin's Creed series, which does similar things with location. Yes. So do you have, like, I somewhere they haven't done yet? I think a culturally sensitive return to Africa Ooh. could be amazing, but it would absolutely have to require <laughs> that the protagonist was from the place. Right. And, you know, I mean, Africa's a, a huge place. We like to... Yeah. Talk about it as if this is like monolith, but it's a but massive continent. Pick a place, give me a deep sense of culture, make it significant, make the, the story genuine, take some risks. I would be all for that. I, I think it would be cool to have it on the northern coast of Africa and have there be some intermingling of those Mediterranean countries, uh. you know what I mean? And have some of that political and cultural commentary about the, the mixture of... And you know... They could travel back in time too. Like I, they, I don't think the franchise would be ruined in any way if they chose a different era, like Far Cry nineteen sixties or something. Yeah, you know. Wow. Yeah. They could tell some really interesting stories. Far Cry, the Diamond Mines, or something. The <laughs> God. <laughs> the Emerald Mines, and it could have a young oh, okay. kid who goes on to become a billionaire. Um. Yeah, I, I I don't know when to expect it. I feel like they're starting to slow down on the Assassin's Creed and Far Cry games, but I'm excited for whenever we get it. Usually the, the distance between announcement and release is actually pretty short, so I'm hoping that we hear about it in the next year at least and get an idea of what we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna see. But yeah, I'm I'm really excited. I is there anything else left to say? I feel like we've said quite a bit. It's a long ass episode. It's a long ass episode. Thanks Play for listening. Cry. And thank you for putting all the work in. Like I I know how <laughs> I feel. I did that with Resident Evil, but I feel like yours was even more like, you know, meticulous. It, yeah, and I tr I tried to front load a little bit the first 3 games cuz I knew that you hadn't played them and then leave it a little more open for the ones that you had played. So yeah. I think that worked out. I think that worked out well. Yeah, I think it worked out well. And maybe someday we'll do side games. But yeah, I mean, you can see it's almost a three-hour episode just on the mainline game. So yep. <laughs> uh, so thank you for all your work. We look forward to yep. when you when you do get, if you do end up expanding, you talked about maybe doing some other stuff with this information. Mm -hmm. So if you do, let us know. Be happy to cool, point yeah. people in that Plug direction. Uh, you can check us out on social media. I'm on Twitter at Lost Man. Tab's on Twitter at Random Mocks. Do you have anything else you want to plug? Any no, you, have, just, you have a YouTube channel? You want to plug no, yet? Okay. No. What, what YouTube channel? What are we talking about? What are you? What Wait, are I have you? no idea. Um, <laughs> you're starting Enjoy to your summer, it. listeners. That's all I have to say. <laughs> uh, you can email us at prettypixelspodcast at gmail.com if you have any comments about the series and you want to want to push back on anything or comment on anything, please do. And next week, again, is our big summer playlist episode. Yeah. And that's probably going to be another big episode. So strap in. And get ready. I said strap in, okay? <laughs> Don't give me that look. You can strap on if you want to. I'm not. Oh. Tell anyone what to do with their 
their podcast listening time. But um, but yeah, we're going to talk about all the things we're wanting to play and experience over the summer. So listen in and we will talk to you later. Bye. Bye.